Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky, and as always, I'm here with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Sup, you turds. Ooh, hello. Um, Jeez. <laughs> Some sort of energy to bring to the show, but uh, great to see you again, Jess Perkins and Dave Warnicky. And to you. And to everyone at home. Hello. Oh, man. Everyone at home. Week three of block. Can you believe it? We're right in the thick of block now. Mm. We're waist deep. Oh, yeah. Things are getting serious. Yeah. yeah. It feels right. We're wading further and further into block. Into muck. And by the end of November, we are going to be up to our freaking eyeballs and stuff. Yeah. Oh, my God. Maybe even worse. And then we've got to get out. Yeah. Which is lucky because uh, December drops a pole in and we and, and yeah. brings us all back to safety. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I'm following. I think I'm following. <laughs> okay. Dave, explain what block is for new listeners. Block Buster Toba, a.k.a. Block Topher Grace period is uh, do go on's uh, month of months. Mm-hmm. And I do mean months because uh, it used to just be October. Now it's November as well. It's been annexed as Blowvember. Uh. And basically, it's the time of year where we do our biggest, our bestest, our blockbusteriest topics. 
Matt put together a huge poll of our most requested topics and said, hey, what do you want to hear about? You can pick as many as you like. Thousands of people voted on this poll and only nine competitors were left standing. We've already ticked off two of those. This is the seventh most voted for topic of Blockbuster Toba 2023. And as always, we do a report on a topic and that's going to be the topic this week. It's number seven. It's Matt's turn to report on the topic. We always start with a question, Matthew. Any questions coming to mind? Yeah, this one, I think you might find this one tricky, but let's see. This episode is kind of a sequel to episode 69. Nice. <laughs> nice. Do you remember what topic was covered way back then? Of course. Yep. Mm-hmm. And do you want to say it out loud? No, I don't. Okay. But I remember you pleading it. pleading the fifth? I remember it, and I plead the fifth. Episode 69. I'm pleading the 69th, which is a way sexier response in court. <laughs> Uh, oh, no, Cleopatra. All right. Dave's had his guess. Jess, I'll give you a clue. Yep. <laughs> it was about a world leader meeting his untimely demise. Cleopatra. <laughs> a world leader. That wasn't- No, that- um, I don't know. <laughs> Can I have a second crack here? Yeah. Abraham Lincoln. Ah. That's right. But the topic, of course, that time was <laughs> his killer. Oh, Yes. I can't remember the name either. William uh, H. Macy. John, John H. H. Macy. Stad John Wilkes Booth. John Wilkes Booth, that's right. That was episode 69. Ah. I didn't realise it was so far back, but it was back at the original Stupid Old Studios, I reckon. No, it wasn't. It was the second one, I reckon. Doesn't matter. Incredible. I would also would have said it was a bit more recent than that, but there you go. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this week's topic, as voted on by more than 27% of voters- Block voters. And there were thousands of votes. Thousands of voters. So, more than one in four of those voters wanted this topic. The plot to steal Abraham Lincoln's body. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot that that was one of the options. Oh, <gasps> my gosh. So, this wow. has been suggested by a few people, including Lynn from Washington, Aaron Wolf from Daytona Beach, Megan Shivos Frazier from Pennsylvania, Jason Frey from Orlando, Florida. Kyle Haggerty from Wabash, Indiana in the United States. John Percy from Grand Rapids, Michigan in the US. And Allison B. Day from Lehigh, Utah. Allison B. Day. Allison B. Day? Day. Like a bidet? Allison B. Day. No, Allison. No, Allison. Middle initial B. Allison's B. Day? Allison B. Day. She don't be night. She don't be cray. She be dead. Yeah. So I think that's that'd be one of the rare times where every suggester is American. Yeah. Wow. Because um, I'd never heard of that's this. That's because no one else cares about Lincoln. <laughs> Whoa. No one else cares. Whoa. Speak for yourself. I am. No one cares. <laughs> Did you either of you know that Honest Abe's body was once subject of a a plot to? No. No, and I'd, I'd love to know, and you're going to tell us, obviously, but at a guess, I'm imagining it's back, way back then, but imagine if it was like five years ago. We yeah. just didn't hear about it. <laughs> Broke into his crypt or whatever he is. He's mostly dust, but we're going to see what we can get. <laughs> I got him. I got the beard dust. <laughs> they go in with a dust buster, a little vacuum. Got him. <laughs> they suck him up. They sucked up a president. Uh, beautiful tribute. <laughs> to a beautiful man. Beautiful man. Beautiful beard. Uh, as we learnt, was it on this show or on Who Knew It with Matt Stewart that uh, he is inducted into the Wrestling Hall of Fame? Oh, that's right. Oh, I think I was yeah. on that. We were on that episode, were we? Because he 
did some wrestling before he became yeah, president. Yeah, he was like almost unbeatable as a wrestler. But he was tall and skinny, right? Yeah. Wow. Was he nine foot ten or something? He's he huge. Was, was he think, nine foot ten? I think he might have been nine foot ten, nine foot eleven. But only the, that was his build height. They always exaggerated in the yeah, WWE. Yeah. And he, he's and probably like nine eight. They yeah. counted the top hat. So. Yeah. <laughs> He can wrestled barely, in the top he can barely move because he's balancing a hat at all times. Uh, it's funny. This is our second topic uh, that looks at him in his either his last days or after his last days. We still haven't talked about his life. No, nah, who cares? No one. That's could we who. do? <laughs> we could maybe one day finish the triptych uh, nah. with a with the prequel. Not oh, on the, my watch. Flashback. The life and times of Honest Abe. Nah, not on my watch. Oh, um, make, make sure that's one when I'm away, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Not bloody interested. <laughs> I'll stop you right there. <laughs> I don't know where this has come from, but I'm enjoying it. I'm I it. don't care about Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. That is canon well, now. Well, Matt asked the question for his next topic. Which president? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> if it's Lincoln, you can fuck off. <laughs> if it's Lincoln, I'm leaving right now, mate. <laughs> Look, I'm leaving. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, I also don't care. But I see how he tries to piggyback. <laughs> see oh, how he always does this. You've got piggyback. very strong legs. Imagine me trying to piggyback on Dave. He'd, He'd collapse. You wouldn't make it. I don't piggyback. I love Lincoln. You're a Lincoln lover. Yep. See, at least he can form his own opinion. Hold though. honest, Abe. What? Wait, and what do we like that? <laughs> 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 and do we like that about Dave or what do we think of Dave? <laughs> so I can't remember if I mentioned this on episode 69, but hours before Lincoln was assassinated, he signed the legislation that founded the Secret Service. Does that ring any bells? I didn't, it didn't ring my, my bells. No, but it feels like he probably could have got him in a little sooner. Because <laughs> 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 their job is to protect the president, right? It is now, but at the time, oh. the agency's original purpose was to combat the widespread counterfeiting of US currency. Oh, wow. And to restore public confidence in the money. Right, but did they pivot when they saw their president? <laughs> yeah. Three hours later, it was shot in the head. Actually, oh, maybe actually. currency shouldn't be our main focus. Yeah. There's a real gap in the market over here. Mm. Yeah, I think it was even, it was after maybe. Maybe another president uh, got knocked off that they oh, finally God. went, hang on. Yeah. The money's nothing without the president, which, which was beautiful for That's them. actually so true, though, isn't it? So true, so beautiful, so poignant. Ugh, beautiful. Yes. But that's when I think of Secret Service, I think secrets, I think okay. whispers. Yes. <laughs> I think, you know, stolen glances from across the room. <laughs> no, no, you're thinking I romance. Think romance. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, unrequited love. Yes. Um, f- forbidden fruit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bananas. <laughs> really big ones. Really big bananas. Uh, anyway, in the 1860s, the Secret Service was required because counterfeiting money was big business. It's believed that as much as half the US currency in circulation at the time was dodgy. Half. Some said a third. Half. But like a lot, a of, lot. A lot of the money was fake money. That's it. When I was in grade six, we they had this program every year at my primary school. I think it was called Earn and Learn. Did you oh. ever have this? So basically, you could, you picked a business that you wanted to start, and then there was currency given out at the start, and then you literally go out on Friday afternoons. And like, I think I did a milkshake place where I had ice cream, had a milkshake maker, and then for five of the fake dollars, I'd do that. But then I'd go down down the end of the street, and then you know, on the basketball court and there's a kid selling plants. You could put a plant on your desk, all this kind of stuff. And it worked great until one kid uh, got a photocopier and uh, all the money was on coloured, like 
blue for fives, green for tens, whatever, and just photocopied like tens of thousands of dollars of fake money. You, you're going to win with a wheelbarrow. Yeah. All of a sudden, inflation's out of yeah. control. Ruined the whole program. They had to shut the whole thing down because suddenly- Was that his stall, the photocopier? Yeah. But that's, a, that's the lesson. Totally. I mean, mm. that's life for you. So they put him in Erdogan jail. <laughs> they put him in the stocks. White colour. <laughs> wow. Um, and what's that kid doing now? Probably some sort of multi-billionaire. Yeah. 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 Not for long. Obviously, he, he will be in prison <laughs> yeah. any day now, but- God, He's, he's li- la- living a great <laughs> life. At least a Lamborghini yeah. for a while. What was his name? Maybe just first name. Uh, Jason? So, the Jason of the day in the 1860s <laughs> was this guy called Ben Boyd, and he made these uh, plates for fake money to be printed off, but he he made the best in the business. According to Peggy Robertson, writing for American Heritage, Boyd was regarded by crooks and cops alike as the very finest of engravers and was the prime source of unauthorised money. One of his $5 plates was so perfect that over 300,000 bills were known to have been printed from it and passed without mishap by one gang alone. Wow. 300,000 notes. Yeah. That's inc- that's amazing. So you can understand how quickly mm. the, the whole country would be flooded. And with this is when a house cost 18 cents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Easy. He bought the whole and country. And he's made 300,000 $5 Notes. Wow, that's an untold sum. Yeah. <laughs> Maths hasn't even got no. to the stage where I could answer that. No, it's like pie. The Agus's. number just keeps Ag- going. Agassiz? Agassiz. What do you call those things? With abacuses. Abacuses don't even count that high. Mm. <laughs> even abacuses. <laughs> the highest form of counting. Abacuses. Abacuses. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's, he's the guru of it. And that's one gang. So, the system was kind of like- You'd have on the ground, they were, they were called passes. So you'd have the, you know, they were the front line and they'd go in and, and put a couple of notes in at a time um, into the buying, into shops and stuff. I'll buy, you know, I'll buy. I'll buy that house. I'll buy that house. Here's mm-hmm. a couple of notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's your change. <laughs> Can I get, uh, I'll get, uh, you know what, uh, the whole top shelf of houses? I'll have those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No uh, Where's my change? Well, you can have a garage for change. <laughs> Yeah, and then so there were, these are individual gangs, but they were in different cities. So he's printing money out and they're going out to all these different gangs, filtering out into the community. But he's making heaps and heaps of these notes. Uh, the Treasury of the United States ultimately realised these notes were so close to the real thing that they recalled their genuine $5 bills from circulation to combat it. They're like, basically, we can't compete with them, so we're just going to kill off that note as it is. There's no more fives. <laughs> Yeah, I guess they changed it or whatever, but it's um, high praise. Wow. One of Boyd's collaborators, or perhaps his boss, depending on who you're reading, was a guy called Big Jim Canelli. But I'll just call him Big Jim. Big Jim had previously been done for passing a dodgy note, which apparently led to him serving a five-year term at the Illinois State Penitentiary. So they were cracking down on it pretty hard. And you get one year per, per dollar. dollar? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, when you think about it, it's like stealing 500,000 houses. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot, Dave. Yeah, for five years for 500,000 houses, that's a good deal. I'd say five years for 500,000 houses. Would you? Yeah. Uh, so- Yeah. I could serve one day to get one house. I'd prefer that. Okay. All right. You I'd serve a hard like, I'd do a week. Yeah. For seven houses? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Can I choose where the houses are? Yeah. You can also choose which week you do. <laughs> And you do the time in your houses. Yeah. yeah, it's all house arrest. Oh, okay. 
yeah, that's that sounds, not too bad. <laughs> that sounds quite nice. Mm. Where would I have my houses? Mm. Obviously, one in the city. Oh, on the top shelf, I thought they were. Oh, then. Where would where would the houses be? Oh, you buy the house. Yes, and you put it down somewhere. Can I get that house to go? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they deliver or you you just chuck it in a bag? I don't know. Do you want me to wrap it as a present or is it for you? <laughs> Do you need a gift receipt just in case you don't like it? Just in case you don't like this house. Another right size house. <laughs> you don't fit this house. <laughs> so he's trying to stay out of trouble after getting out of the clink. He's had done a five-year stretch. Big Jim's out. Wants to stay out of trouble. So he sort of he he tidies himself up a little bit and he no longer is on the ground level. Instead, he hits the straight and narrow by being a counterfeit money wholesaler. Oh, okay. right. Pra- practically. Yeah. Not practically clean as a whistle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he sells the notes made by Boyd, uh, Boyd's plates, those perfect plates. He sells them in bulk through his network out to the gangs who then pass them out on the streets. Unfortunately, though, for Big Jim, Boyd was arrested in 1875 and sentenced to 10 years behind bars. And this is his, this is his golden goose, basically. He's the guy who makes it all possible. He's the genius. It feels like he should be doing 1.5 million years. Yeah. At least. <laughs> yeah, the, the sums years. don't add up, do they? <laughs> you get one note, oh, you're five years. You've done all the notes, uh, 10 years. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What's the system here? We don't have abacuses that go that high, okay? We've got two numbers at this stage. Tens of max. This is the 1870s, goddammit. We've got five or ten. According to Robertson... This left Big Jim and his network of printers, wholesalers, and passers virtually jobless. The prime Midwestern wholesaler of all those perfect counterfeit bills now had nothing to sell. Uh, you probably figure out why they call them passers. I think it's I don't I didn't really look it up, but I assume it's because they'd pass the notes. Hmm. It's an interesting assumption you've made. Okay. Well, I mean, what would you? I assume they're all somebody's hall pass. Oh yeah. <laughs> I misheard. I think you're saying pasta. <laughs> Pastors. There you go. <laughs> Fuzzelli. <laughs> so never assume we're yeah, okay. thinking the same as you. Because <laughs> okay. I can almost guarantee we're not. <laughs> uh, so big- Hi, we're Jess and Dave, and we're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> so Big Jim decided he somehow had to come up with a plan to get his man Boyd out of prison. It's like, what what I got to do? How do you think he would have gone about it? I I was thinking maybe like bribing a judge, audacious jail break. I'm thinking uh, jackhammer. Yep. Just straight through the wall. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a while. Yep. (laughs) He's got to break through the whole wall. Oh, yeah, yeah, great. And then- I thought you were clearing your throat. (laughs) You're really working yourself up for this. That's what I'm thinking. What are you thinking, Dave? I reckon probably like a fake heart attack. Oh. Get in the ambulance. Get to the infirmary. Yeah. They're about to load you. They're about to cremate you. Bang. You're out. <laughs> so, Big Jim yes. fakes a heart attack from outside of prison or he, he lets Boyd know inside the prison to <laughs> fake a heart, heart attack. attack. Yeah. And then Big Jim also fakes a heart attack. So they're in the same oh, ward together. Oh, yeah. They're in the heart attack <laughs> yeah. ward. And you go, Big Jim, he doesn't sound that healthy. He's probably going to have another heart, heart attack ward. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect crime. So, have we nailed it? No. Huh. Uh, your ideas were ridiculous. <laughs> Big Jim's plan was to steal Abraham Lincoln's decaying corpse and use it as leverage to trade for Boyd's freedom. <laughs> oh, my God. Hmm, so, it's like it was like the topic of the report today. Mm. Hmm. 
It's also one of the, the most simple ideas. You know, sometimes the idea is so yeah. simple you wouldn't even consider it. Yeah. yeah. Steal, you know, it's too simple, but actually. Steal the ex-president's body and hold it as a ransom. Yeah. Oh, my God. Of course. Yeah. But and that's that's so many people have probably done that. You wouldn't even bother. Mm. You know what I mean? It's a hack. Yeah. That's the, had me, but had they done it back then? I don't think they there had. You go. That's the genius See, of it. Since then, every president's body has been stolen, it's, so it means nothing to it's us It's become anymore. hack now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But back then. It was quite clever. Yeah, he wow. was he was decades ahead of his time. <laughs> uh, well, let's go back to Abraham Lincoln and his death. So, he was the 16th US president and he was assassinated around 10 years prior to this on April the 14th, 1865. So, they're not stealing some recent <laughs> mint condition mm. president body. He's not going to be... He's going to be a little sloppy, I think. Mm. Although, he apparently, he was... Um, one of the first to pioneer embalming. He was, like, happy to be embalmed and stuff, so... Right, so they, that's why they, they chose him, maybe. Maybe they picked him. Been- he was also nearby, I think. <laughs> Proximity. And, yeah, he was, he, was a, he was a big star. He was, like, a pretty famous president. Yeah. Even then. Even then, when there hadn't been as many. Yeah. Now there's been fucking heaps of them. And he's still... Is he He'd the most famous one? He'd be up there. Yeah. For, think of a president. Name President Dave. <laughs> Name one now. Of, name one, of, quick. Of, of America. Ronald Reagan. Ooh. Okay. Jess, name a president D- of anything. Okay. Quick, Matt, name a president. Seven. <laughs> okay, president. What's, who's the seventh president? Jim. <laughs> Jim Simpson. Jim Belushi. <laughs> Jim Belushi was the seventh president. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Of the Writers Guild. Oh, okay. Or something, maybe. I couldn't think of any presidents of anything. Andrew Plimpton. He was the Saints president in the 90s. <laughs> Seventh president, Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson. He's a famous one. Yeah. He was a- And you called him Jim. He was the guy I loved to duel. He was, <gasps> I think he was in your episode of uh, World's Worst Jewels, wasn't he, Dave? Yeah, he was. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And he's on the $10 note and he looks like Australian comedian Wayne Hope, if I'm thinking of the right guy. Oh, code. wow. So, you know quite a lot about Andrew Jackson. <laughs> Just not his name. <laughs> Or where he came in the scheme of things. Number seven, did you say? Number seven. Beautiful Lucky number. Seven. Anyway, so Lincoln assassinated in 1865. We talked about this in quite a lot of detail in episode 69. So what happened to his body after that? According to the National Museum of American History, on April the 19th, 1865, so we're talking uh, five days later, an estimated 25 million Americans attended memorial services for Lincoln in Washington and around the country. 25 million. That's, That's so about many. around the current population of Australia. Uh, the US population <laughs> at the time was 31 million. Whoa! <laughs> Everyone. Yeah. But they didn't have much on back then. Imagine what the six, the six million who just stayed at home or went to the shops must have had the best day. What, well, yeah. They could have got a park anywhere. Oh, my, you'd have everything to yourself. Yeah. I'd go straight to the water park. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no rides to those slides. No rides for those slides. <laughs> no, no lines. No for rides. rides for those slides. <laughs> Am I right? Go to high five someone. No, no one's one there. there. <laughs> no rides for those fives. <laughs> oh, I'm losing it. <laughs> we never had it, but yeah, we are losing it early. No rides for those slides. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because in my head I was like, God, I can't believe I'm coming up with this. This is amazing. It rhymes and makes sense. What are the odds? And then he paused and looked at me like I was an idiot. I was like, that's right. I did the run. I'm that good. Huh. Okay. Huh. There you go. I fucked up. 
Uh, the article on the National Museum of American History continues. Lincoln's body lay in state at the U.S. Capitol Rotunda and then travelled on a funeral train that retraced his route to Washington in 1861. <laughs> route. <laughs> route. Route to Washington. <laughs> route to Washington. <laughs> I've seen that one. <laughs> and it was 1,700 miles long. That's a long route. Is that all? <laughs> <laughs> so they just chuck the body on a train and take it around and stop every now and then yep. for people to have a look. Exactly. Basically, they had a they took it on a on a farewell tour. <laughs> That's so good. You know, we we talk about it a bit on this show that in the olden days they'd go out and see a train, but this makes some more sense. Yeah, I'm not necessarily myself going to see no. a body, but I need but to know. We, not too long ago, that line to see the Queen's body. Yeah, but was this an open casket train? Could you see anything, or were you looking at a train, knowing he's in there somewhere? They brought. I think they brought the body off the train at uh, a bunch of stops. <laughs> um, Imagine being the people loading him in and out. Mm. Yeah, apparently in ten cities, his casket was removed from the train for elaborate memorial services and public viewings. Wow! Oh. Uh, the, and newspapers published the train schedule so that citizens could pay their last respects as it passed. So if you went from one of the big towns, you go by the rail. What railway line and just be like, bye, Link. <laughs> That's Thank what you. his close friends might have called him. Thank you, or Link. Fans. His close friends probably weren't standing by the train tracks. Uh, the nine-car mm. funeral train carried 300 guests. What? As well as the casket, obviously, to Springfield, Illinois. The funeral procession in New York lasted four hours and included an estimated 120,000 marches. That's a lot of marches. And that's Long Parade. Uh, Too long. Is anyone watching? Everyone's in the parade. This <laughs> <laughs> is one person waving it as 120,000 people walk past. Yeah, you're, you're the lucky guy on that day going, oh, everyone's at these memorials. Where am I going to go? I'm going to go watch that parade. <laughs> uh, and then on May the 3rd, 1865, the train reached its final destination in Springfield. And the following day, Lincoln's body was placed in its tomb. Um. Apparently, the the city of Springfield was keen to have the body at a, a right in the middle of town, so that for for tourism and stuff. But uh, his wife's like, "No, I don't want him in the middle of town. I want him on the edge of town." And they're like, started pushing for it. She's like, "I'll take the body all together. If you want the body, it's on the edge of town or nothing." <laughs> and they're like, "All right, put it on the edge of whoa, town. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Put the coffin down. It's okay." <laughs> yeah. Hey, 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 oh, hey. Oh, that's so good. Shh, 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 shh. Hey, yeah, let's think about this. Hey, hey, sugar cube. <laughs> I think she's a horse. The pattern of big face. Yeah, big long face. <laughs> hey, shh, 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 that's a good girl. Who's a beautiful girl? So I guess he was, yeah, um, there must be a reason why he was taken there because he wasn't born there. He was born in a sinking spring farm in Kentucky. <laughs> well, we know why he's not buried there. <laughs> That's no longer there. It's sunk. It's uh, gone. Why? The spring has gone. taken it. Yeah. Buried in Springfield. There's a lot of Springfields in America as well, aren't yeah. there? Yeah. Although this is according to according to AbrahamLincolnOnline.org. I trust this website. Abraham. Abraham. Uh, although Lincoln was born in Kentucky, grew up in Indiana and served the nation in Washington, he was buried in Illinois where he had developed strong community ties. Uh, two years before his assassination, he wrote, Springfield is my home, and there, more than elsewhere, 
are my lifelong friends. Oh, well, that's nice. Who's their mates there? So that's nice that they ended up putting him there. But didn't want to be in the centre of town. Well, his wife didn't want to be in the centre of town. I guess like, didn't want she... to make it a circus, you know. Oh, she didn't want to like have to struggle to get a park every time she wanted to visit him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a nightmare. They're All like, right. we could just we could just um, bury him on a roundabout. <laughs> and then you wouldn't have to park. Yeah, you could just, just go around around him. A couple of laps. Do he laps? Laps of aid. Well, they don't like roundabouts. They like four-way stops. Mm. Could they put his body in the middle of a four-way stop? When you say they, who are you talking about? I think Americans. Americans are like roundabouts? I think that they, they often have four-way. Isn't that a thing? I don't know. And you've got to work out who gives way to who. They're anti-circles. <laughs> what? Mm. America. They, they should bloody visit Canberra. <laughs> Am I right? One oh, big that, body roundabout. Oh, oh, oh. Bloody more roundabout like, city up there. More like clownabout. <laughs> I learn about circles from Sesame Street. I, I feel like yeah. I've been sold a, a lie here. Mm. I learned how to count to 12. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 5 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Well, let's learn some more from from bridalvehicleleasing.co.uk. Today it's estimated that there are 9,000 modern roundabouts in the US. Even though this is much more than they had in the 1990s, the UK has nearly three times as many despite being 40 times smaller. Right, Okay. So, compared to the UK, but they're circle lovers over there. And sorry, there. that was on a bridal car website? <laughs> Bridalvehicleleasing.co.uk. It is hard to think of content. <laughs> <laughs> How do we get them in? <laughs> well, here I am. I'm on the, the number one thing on Google when you Google USA roundabouts. <laughs> we're up to episode 416 and we're going okay. They're already down to roundabouts. But <laughs> <laughs> You've Googled- How many episodes are they up to Googled- on bridal.com? You've Googled, like, what did you Google? Roundabouts <laughs> USA. USA. And it's come up with a UK site. Yeah, giving them a bit of sass. For bridal vehicles. Their website is so big. We have great internet here at the studio. It's been loading their homepage for about two minutes. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's, that's how many blogs. Oh, it's they've not- covered every. It's not B-R-I-D-A-L. Oh, what is it? Oh, it's just a company. That's- it's just a company. Oh, I thought it was, oh, I I thought was, it was, it was a wedding, wedding company. Cars. Is yeah. it not? No, well, that would be B-R-I-D-A-L. Oh, you're right. It's spelled uh, like, a, like a horse's bridle. Oh, okay. Man, yeah. I remember all that laughing I was just doing. It's I still, take it all back. It still feels a little bit irrelevant. It's a bit irrelevant. It was even more irrelevant when it was, you know, wedding cars. Dave, don't turn your computer around again, mate. Yeah. Don't you ever you do that spoiled. to me again. That was so fun. Let just dream. Let me dream. Let a dream of a world Let me where have fun. people run a website hiring out cars to brides. Just brides. And also giving facts about other countries. What well, says that they only got their first modern roundabout in 1990? Is that possible? Well, modern roundabout. Maybe they don't see 80s roundabouts as being modern. <laughs> you know? Depends on what they mean by that. First grunge roundabout. Yeah. <laughs> Came through. Seattle. <laughs> um, anyway, so- Bridal. I didn't even notice. Love it. So, Lincoln's now on the edge of town in Springfield, Illinois. That's where his friends were. And that's now where his corpse is. And it was from this final resting place that Big Jim would aim to steal the presidential remains. Connor Robertson, it isn't surprising that he came up with this plan at the time- Body snatching was endemic in rural America, with local resurrectionists digging up recently interred bodies for surreptitious sale to medical schools. And because of this, the bereaved frequently stood guard at the graveside for weeks after a burial. 
for weeks. Not normally for 10 years, but like they would have had to in this case. But well, they think you do it for weeks until you're like, they're pretty gross in there. Yeah. No I one wants this. No one they wants want, to cut this up. I know they want to steal a freshie. Yeah. yeah. But imagine but, but you're at medical school doing sort of like, you know, learning about stuff and then you're like doing an autopsy and you're like, is that Abraham Lincoln? Mm. I think that looks like Abraham Lincoln. I can't I can't tell without the hat. <laughs> yeah. Quick, put Someone the hat get, on. Get me Quick, a big hat. Get a hat. Get a hat. Oh, my God. That's it's him. Fucking Lincoln. Oh, my. But to be fair, if I put the hat on this other dead body, now that looks that's like Lincoln. a- We've got two Lincolns. <laughs> what are the odds of that in our little establishment? Wow. And now that place is called Two Lincolns Cadaver Workshop. <laughs> and you can visit it. <laughs> So, Big Jim set about putting together a ragtag team of misfits and 'er ne'er-do-wells for the job. I love a ragtag bunch. In early 1876, he organised Ben Sheridan, or if you read a different article, Thomas Sharp. Anyway, he organised some guy and one (laughs) of his, uh, who was one of his counterfeiting agents to lead the team. Appropriately, Sheridan was from nearby Lincoln, Illinois. The plan was to snatch Lincoln's body from its tomb in Springfield, then hide it south of Lincoln until a ransom of $200,000 was paid and Boyd was released from prison. So, they've, they've upped the ante. We'll get, we want Boyd out, but while we're here, might as well get some cash. Big Jim paid for Sheridan and four of his gang members to head to Springfield a few weeks prior to prepare. Apparently, they were meant to be setting up a saloon bar in a building Big Jim had rented as a base. I didn't fully fully follow the logic there, but it sounds like a lot of the preparation ended up being the gang just getting on the drink. Mm. And perhaps unsurprisingly, this led to some issues. According to Robertson, they planned to move on the night of July 3rd, just the night before July July 4th. And uh, I think- Maybe that was part of the plan. Everyone's distracted. Mm-hmm. We we hit them then. Was Fourth of July already a thing in the eighteen seventies? I mean, you're saying that to us. Definitely, that date existed in the eighteen seventies. Okay, good. I can't remember when July was invented. I think it was the. I oh, from memory is like the eighteen forties. So it was new, but it was definitely it was already a thing. Yep. Yeah, great. Um, well, eighteen seventy. Uh, sorry, seventeen seventy seven. So it's almost the hundred year anniversary of. Well, so Do they celebrate the ninety nine year anniversary? I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to read some more, and I thought, oh, this is boring. <laughs> what are we going to read? So it's funny that July. This is from PBS. History of Independence Day. July 8, 1776, was the first public readings of the Declaration of Independence held in Philadelphia's Independence Square. <laughs> But then, Sorry, I fell asleep. I'm <laughs> feeling wide awake, Dave. I'm energised. I have what? my own opinion on this one. <laughs> yes, Dave? Do go on. Oh, I poured myself a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, one year later. Well, it's not one year later. It's July 4th, 1777. It's like four days shy of a year since it was bred. Philadelphia marked Independence Day by adjourning Congress and celebrating with bonfires, bells, and fireworks. So, I guess it was adapted or adopted rather on the 4th of July, but they read it on July the 8th and nearly a year later, they're like, all right, let's have- Oh, right. That's interesting. I assumed something happened on that date and something did. They decided to start (laughs) having the 4th of July. (laughs) They set off some fireworks. So, yeah. So, it it had been a thing for quite a while at this point then. (laughs) Uh, So, the plan was for it to happen on July 3rd. But with just two weeks to go, Sheridan succumbed to temptation. 
touring Springfield's brothels, he confided in one of his hostesses that his little band was going to, quote, steal old Lincoln's bones, collect a ransom, and spend the proceeds in the ladies' establishment. She told the sheriff, and the next morning, through a monumental hangover, Sheridan learned of his indiscretion. Big Jim Keneally washed his hands of the gang, and Ben Sheridan was professionally disgraced. So I think he was—he might have found it hard to get work in the um, underground after that. So he's kind of gone into it thinking that, um, like, uh, like doctors, sex workers had a yes confidentiality. Oh yes, doctor patient, and they don't like a lawyer. They can fucking tattle all yeah. they like back then, especially. Do psychologists have that? I think psychologists are doctors, aren't they? No. <gasps> oh my god. Oh my god. Is my psychologist telling everybody about me? Yeah. Oh, my that God. That doesn't need to. They're broadcasting it. <laughs> that would imply that it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. The things I've heard on your psychologist podcast about you. What? Wow. Well, it's mainly about me and Dave. <laughs> and it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Yet you refuse to change. <laughs> You've heard how I feel and yet you do nothing. Man, I'm trying. <laughs> not very hard. At not hard at all. Um, so, yeah. So, the first- the first um, plan came unstuck before it even really began. Just keep your fucking mouth shut. Yeah. No, sorry, that was to you. Okay. Um, <laughs> like, but this it always happens. We've had so many stories where they've gotten drunk and told someone. Mm. I mean, Stupid. when you have a great idea, it's hard to keep it to yourself. It's sort of like when you buy somebody a great gift and you can't. You're really excited to give it. Oh, to I them. got you a great gift. Yeah, Ooh. you just can't. You're like, oh, I want to tell you what it but is. But it is. It's funny as well because like. I'm going to get a lot of money. I'm going to spend it here. Yeah. <laughs> You're about to get some money from me. And she's like, I'm going to go tell the sheriff. After you do what? Yeah. <laughs> Steal a 10-year-old de- deceased president. That sounds pretty full on, dude. Yeah. And, uh, then, and then he'd be like, no, the president wasn't 10-year-old. You've said that funny. <laughs> and she went, so, well, you know what I mean. The, the president wasn't 10 years old, but he's been dead for 10 years old and his yeah. body- is 10 years old. Yeah. And he goes, well, agree to disagree. Yeah. And it was that sort of sass yeah. that pushed her over the edge. She was like, you know what? Fuck this guy. I'm going to the sheriff. I don't I'll- need your bony money. Yeah. And then she went to the the bedroom, one bedroom across where yeah. the sheriff was yeah. and said, sheriff, got sheriff, some news. I uh, hope you don't mind me interrupting. It is important. I've got to uh, interrupt this bone with news of Lincoln's bones. That would be a great name for a brothel. Lincoln's bones? No, I wouldn't. Or we interrupt this bone. <laughs> we interrupt this bone. <laughs> I mean, that's what you just said. That almost works on one level, almost. <laughs> Lincoln's bones. Lincoln's bones. I think it's, it's. I think that's classy. I think it. You know, it subtly suggests what it's up to. <laughs> Lincoln's bones. Lincoln's moans. Oh. oh. But now that now it doesn't have bones in it. I think it should be moans and bones. Oh, moans and bones. Cut the Lincoln. Presidential moans and bones? Yeah. Because I think it's the president. The Lincoln's alluding to the president. Happy which birthday, I think is what Mr. Makes president, it- moans and bones. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. They also serve cake. <laughs> Are we going into business? I think yes. Okay, fantastic. And let me tell you, we're going to be rich. <laughs> <laughs> so- so the plan came unstuck, but Big, Big Jim was not deterred. He still had dreams of stealing. <laughs> He's like, it's the only way to get my friend out of prison. <laughs> I will not consider any other no, alternative. I will not hire a good lawyer. 
I will continue to try to steal the president's bones. It's such a, like, it's so indirect as well. Yeah. Even if you're able to get the body, then you've got to somehow make this exchange. Yeah. What are the odds that you can do that without them figuring out it was you? Yeah. And, and boy, do you, like, do they, they go, yeah, all right, we'll, we'll swap. Boy, it's exonerated. No worries. Yeah, we promise once your guy's out, we won't touch him. Yeah. yeah like, and do you think he's just going to go back to being able to print money for you? Do you also think they care that much? About? Lincoln's bones? Oh, yeah, they care. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they care. That's why they leave him basically unprotected at his tomb. On the outskirts of town. <laughs> yeah. In the middle of nowhere. Mm. They're much better protected these days, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Uh, Imagine being the Secret Service and your job is just to like hang out at a grave. Oh, do they all? Does every president have Secret Service agents at their graveside at all times? Oh, I wonder. Yes, right. surely and, not. Well, it's a secret. We can, I can't say. Yeah, okay. Secret Service. Okay, but they have Secret Service forever. Yeah, that's true. You know, presidents and forever it goes beyond death. So yeah, you know, they're not allowed to drive on the road after they are president. Really. Where yeah. can they drive? In the paddocks? Well, apparently George uh, W. Bush Jr. has big- Got him. <laughs> Sorry, I'm nerding out over here, so I didn't hear anything you said. Uh, <laughs> George W. Bush takes a, like, he goes full driving on his, like, his ranch in, yeah, okay. in Texas because, you know, it's not a private road. But whenever they're on the road, they've got the Secret Service stunt driver, you know, in yeah, case wow. they come under attack and do- right. Evasive manoeuvring and things like that. So you can't even just drive yourself to the shops. You can't do that anymore. You give that up. I thought that was just because US presidents are always really old. Yeah. And they probably, <laughs> probably, probably shouldn't be driving. Sorry, I'm sorry, sir. We're you taking are- your keys. <laughs> give him like little fake toy keys, like for kids. Yeah, so, there, you yeah, there you go. Hey, yeah, play with them. Get in the passenger yeah, seat. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're driving from the left hand side. Yeah, good job. <laughs> I mean, the right hand side. Yeah, it's got one of those little fake. The Simpsons. Yeah, Maggie saw. That's nice. Uh, so he's, he's, he's not deterred, still dreaming of the body snatch and Big Jim starts heading out to Chicago, commuting out there to have meetings with some of his counterfeiters in the Windy City. They had a branch office in a bar called The Hub on West Madison Street. So yeah, he's just got, he's got, um, little branches everywhere. Well, well, having a little office isn't. Isn't it funny at a pub they had their own room in there, their headquarters? <laughs> Very strange. Uh, it was a real dive bar though, and was run by a 27-year-old named Terence Mullen. He's one of the key players here, and the other notable guy who comes up throughout the rest of the stories was a regular named Jack Hughes, Hughesy and Mullen. Hmm, Jack Hughes. They become a, <laughs> a bit of a <laughs> dynamic duo. Matt. Jacques. 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 Is that a French word for something? Is that like accused? Uh, like I, I accuse. Jacques. Jacques. His name. <laughs> oh my God. That's very If I knew good. French, I would have got oh, it. Well, oh. that's what- I just thought you said the name again. No, <laughs> uh, I said Jacques. That's what two terms of lessons get you, baby. God, he's good. You are so good. Of Jacques, um, <laughs> Robinson writes He was an outstanding passer of phony bills, a thoroughly honest looking man. Respectably bearded and always well-dressed. He spent his working day going from store to store, making one small purchase at each and paying for it with a crisply persuasive counterfeit bill. If his currency was ever questioned and the police were called, no case could be made because he had never had more than one bad bill in his possession. His working supply trailed along a full block behind him, 
usually in the form of a small boy whose pockets were stuffed with bogus cash. After each stop, it would sidle up and slip Hughes another bill. Wow. So had, a, little, had a really good system going there. Little cash boy. For, you yeah. know. Come along, cash boy. <laughs> and if the cash boy got done, 10 years in the Who slam. Cares? He's like, here you are, sir. I know the fiver for you, sir. <laughs> There's ten bob for you, sir. Uh, it sounds like his so his greatest skill in being good at this was that he just looked respectable. Ah, mm. uh, okay. So um, you guys couldn't do it. No. Oh, hang on. Well, back then I said he had a beard. Back then beards what, were respectable. No, what did he say about the beard? Respectably bearded. There you go. Oh, it's a very specific kind of beard. You are not respectably bearded. I gotta get a trim. You are fucking- I'm going to go to a barber's and Bush say- Bush ranger bearded, you are. Can you make me respectable, son? Yeah. And they'll say, <laughs> I'm not a fucking magician. <laughs> That's intimidating, And man. Dave over here is, you know, teenage boy pube bearded. There's, no- <laughs> There's nothing more respectable than a teenage pube boy. <laughs> We could be the duo. Uh, you could be trailing yeah. me behind with the yeah. five dollars. I'm all likely to be dodgy notes. <laughs> and then what happens? So he goes to the milk bar. I hand you five dollars, and you go in and what buy like one pack of juicy fruit or something. Get some change. You can't really do. Buy so that yeah, much. is that the point of it to like get the change? Get the I guess so, legit yeah. money. Yeah, I guess you're trying to buy things that have a value as well, and you could sell them or whatever for real money. Hmm. Don't know, but the odds are you'd be <laughs> getting paid in dodgy money as well back then. <laughs> yeah, and also just like. You just, just you just have money now. If they're hmm. if they're passing, yeah, that's right. If they're so good, just use the money. But uh, the only problem is you can like you can say, oh, the, the, you've got like deniability. Yeah, you go. I I was given this. I didn't know. But if you've got only dodgy notes yeah, and they yeah. find you, then you're you so get said, done. Oh, yeah. whoa, 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 that dodgy kid out there gave it to me. That's yeah, why he's yeah. got the cash boy. Arrest the cash boy. <laughs> I Arrest mean, that cash boy, <laughs> which is the term I've only just come up with. <laughs> I've never met that cash boy before in my life. <laughs> Uh, so he was really good at it, but apparently, sometime in September 1874, in Washington Heights, Illinois, something went wrong, and Hughes was arrested by Secret Service agents and indicted for passing five counterfeit bills. Whoa. So his system fell apart. A oh bit. no! And he went to the clink. Um, but yeah, it's so it's funny to think about the C- Secret Service back then. That was what they were doing, just trying to catch like these petty criminals, basically. Um, so anyway, as we meet him now at the hub, he's out on bail. Uh, this is, you know, a year and a half later, something like that. And uh, this is where Big Jim starts to pull together his second crew of body snatchers <laughs> into the second half of 1876. Big Jim, Mullen the bartender, and Hughes the counterfeit passer, they're the, the main three, and they regularly met at the hub to develop a plan. And according to Robertson, this is how the plan went down, or the how it was planned to go down. This was the plan. This was the plan. Oh, my God, you are <laughs> eloquent. I cut out the middle plan there. <laughs> uh, quote, they would meet in Springfield, steal Lincoln's body. Bang, Easy. bang. Yep. Like, no explanation on how they do that bit, but that's cool. Don't worry about bada it. Bing, bada bang. Whatever. Then they'd load it onto a wagon and using a relay of horses, <laughs> speed it some 200 miles to the sand dunes bordering the southern tip of Lake Michigan, just southeast of Chicago. There they would bury the body, carefully triangulating the site against permanent landmarks so that they could find it again in the ever-shifting sands, and then wait for the government to meet their demands. How good is this plan? They're putting it in sand dunes Mm -hmm. and they're just going, okay, so, like, there's a tree Mm -hmm. four steps away from that tree. Done. They're going, all right, there's a bit of sand here, so next to the sand, 
Yeah. And next to that other bit of sand. So just remember between these two bits of sand. Yeah, the sand in the middle of these two bits Not of sand. Not two bits, they're triangulating. I think that's three bits that's of three sand. Three bits of sand. It's a third bit of sand. I don't think I don't I hope they're not counting sand as a permanent landmark. <laughs> but these guys were bozos, I gotta say, so I wouldn't put it past them. Mm. Um <laughs> Also, the permanently shifting sands, that yeah. sounds like a thing that wouldn't be a good place to bury something. Yep. If the sh- sands are shifting off the yeah. top. How deep do you have to go? <laughs> yeah. Um, to so- the Probably just to the Earth's core. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's a few hundred kilometres. Yeah. Here's another ingenious part of the plan. Inside the tomb, they would leave behind a piece of paper torn from the front of the Catholic Union and Times, uh, which was published in England. This newspaper was so rare in Chicago that the police would surely file it away as a clue. The rest of the front page would be hidden at the hub. It would be used to identify Big Jim and company as the genuine kidnappers when the time came to announce their demands. $200,000 in cash and the release of Ben Boyd. That's pretty clever. That's pretty cool. That's pretty clever. It's funny. It's like going, you're hoping that the... The cops go. Oh, we'll take. We'll keep this as a. Yeah. When I read it at first, I thought they were they were um, framing up someone. They're, yeah. Must have been someone from England framing themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they were. I always want to put like something in his pocket, like they say, "Prove you're the kidnapper." All right, check his pocket. There's a couple of dice in there. But they've got the body, right? Oh but- yeah. Who are they prove? Wait, hang on. Hang on. But oh it- wait. Wait, how do the police... Yeah, hang on. No, because I thought the police were going to find the body and then they were going to prove yeah. that it was... But, but if the- they find the body, they don't need to pay them anything. No, they're not finding the body. They're finding the paper they left behind in the tomb. Ah, So they left a bit of newspaper behind oh, in the tomb. Oh, I thought it was tomb. inside the coffin. Same, oh, no, sorry. Same, same, same. And then I- but in my head, and I guess your head too, yeah. Jess, they- when the police find the-, the body, then they'll know we stole it and to thank us... Yeah, yeah. They'll give us yeah. our two and, <laughs> and and if they give us the money and release Ben, then we'll give them back the body they've just right. found. But you could have just put anything in the tomb, like I'm saying, like you just put like a red basket, yes. you know, a red ball, yeah. and then say, yeah, it's us. What did we leave? We left a red ball. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't what know did how it smell like those. in there? I'm I, glad I you qualified that. I, <laughs> <laughs> I get anxious. <laughs> I get anxious when I'm stealing <laughs> president's yeah. bodies. Yeah. Huh? So, apparently Big Jim and Hughes- Jacques, uh, we're happy with Boyd's release and the cash. They're like, that's all we need. But Mullen apparently got obsessed with the idea that body snatching, the body snatching would also win the criminals, quote, the respect of the American people. Wow. Okay. Like, we can, we got a good shot at the cash and maybe even releasing our friend from jail. Respect is a little bit harder to- We're going to hold the body until you respect us. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no! I want you to. I want to genuinely feel it. <laughs> You're putting it on. Don't just say you respect me. Show me. Show me. <laughs> Go on. Go on. Do a little dance. Yes, a respectful dance. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, one problem they faced was that none of them had any experience in the gentle art of stealing bodies. But as luck would have it. A new regular at the bar named Lewis Swaggles did. <laughs> Swaggles. He came in. He's like, you're talking about some body. <laughs> and because at the time, grave robbery was pretty common. So, he's like, yeah, yeah I've done. I've got a heaps of experience grave robbing. I need a grave robber. <laughs> Come to Swaggles. But again, last time it all went wrong because they, sold, they told an outsider about the plan who then yeah. went and told the cops. Again, some guy walks into the bar like, they're like, hey, we're planning on stealing Abraham Lincoln's body. Can you help? 
He be. I think he came in. He was coming in as a bit of a regular for a while before they started to warm to him, and then. Um, he's absolutely a grass. This guy undercover. I think that he might be an arc. What Swaggles? <laughs> that is not a real name. Swaggles, a narc. I've heard it all. You freaking narc, Swaggles. Uh, Hughes and Mullen, they they like the cut of his jib in part because of his exploits as a grave robber. And they're like, we don't understand that. So it'd be good to have someone who knew what they were doing. <laughs> Which feels like maybe one of the first things. Yeah. If Big Jim's putting together a team of, of grave robbers, maybe get a grave robber. I'd reckon get a grave robber. <laughs> He's got a crack team. I've got a guy. I've got a can- bartender. <laughs> You can pour drinks. So, the after party's sorted. It's got a guy who can pass fake notes. Yeah. Huh? Huh? Oh, we got Cash Boy. Yeah. We got Cash Boy. They could come in handy. And I'm Big Jim. (laughs) I'm not going to go there in person, but I wish you all the best. (laughs) Uh, So, so yeah, they like Swaggles uh, because obviously he filled a, a, a need for them. But also, he they were impressed by his connections to better-known crooks of the day. He would drop names into the conversation like, oh, if you're in with these guys, you must be pretty good. By November, Swaggles was such a key member of the crew that they were now meeting at his house. Unfortunately for Big Jim and the boys, Swaggles wasn't who he seemed. <laughs> you're kidding me. A month earlier, the Secret Service had received a tip-off about the plot and Chicago Bureau Chief Patrick D. Tyrrell then recruited Swaggles to infiltrate the gang. Real name. And he swiftly oh, did that. Swaggles is Swaggles real name. Swaggles is real name, I believe. And were they meeting at his real house? Yeah. And I think- was, so he really was a grave robber? No, no. Oh. So they knew that they needed- Yeah. So they're going to rob a grave. Go oh, in. Uh, order a whiskey and then loudly say, yep, oh, just knocking off after a hard day of stealing <laughs> bodies. I'm an expert. Ooh. <laughs> I know all the crooks. Let me tell you, Robin Graves is not an easy job. Well, it is for me. I'm very, very good at it. But boy, oh boy, for people who don't know what they're doing, it is pretty tough. But I've got a big gap in my schedule coming up. It's good to have a bit of downtime. But I guess if there was some work to come up, I wouldn't say no. I'm supposed to do a big job, a big presidential job. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. Another whiskey. Oh, what are you guys up to? Oh. Not much going on. <laughs> Sorry, were you guys eavesdropping on me just then? How that's a, rude. That's oh. a bit rude. Anyway, Swaggle's the name. <laughs> Grave Robin's the game. Real, Yeah, real name. You want real to come around, come around for a cuppa at my place? Yeah. <laughs> Gordon Robertson, contemporary accounts vary wildly, but Swaggle's apparently had been a seaman, then probably- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we all have. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, all right. <laughs> all right, mate, we've all been a seaman. Right, you're, you're definitely padding out your resume if you're writing that down. <laughs> you're going back a bit far. Uh, uh, before that, I was a uh, glint in my father's eye. And, uh, yeah, the, list, the list goes on. I've also done a bit of uh, bookwork. People putting their primary school captain on their resume. <laughs> you're a grown adult. Oh, yeah. I'm not talking to anyone in particular. Well, note to self, I have to remove mine as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, yeah, it was a seaman, uh, then probably a petty crook. But by 1876, he was well launched on a career as a professional informer or roper for the Secret Service. Wow. Uh, swag- he was professionally undercover. Yeah. Wow. Just full time. So, they pay him by by the job. Yeah. <laughs> roper. Roper's fun. A roper seaman he was, I guess, in some ways. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh <laughs> Robertson goes on 
Swaggle started hanging out at the hub, and he so and he would report to the Secret Service. So the things we know about this story is because he's like on the phone every day or going in and telling them what's happened. Uh, and he later said, I got myself up in their minds, not by praising myself, but my friends, Frenchie the burglar, Bill Ray and others. <laughs> I had a letter from Frenchie who was in Michigan City Penitentiary. They thought I was a first class man or I would not be known to such men. So, I was convinced by a letter. He's like, here's a letter. Here's a letter of recommendation <laughs> from my friend Frenchie the Burglar. It's Have so funny. Um, yeah. So, Swaggles would report daily to Tyrrell and then Tyrrell passed the information on to the chief at the Secret Service. Based on Swaggles' intel, on the 5th of November, Tyrrell told his boss that the gang feels, quote, confident of success, saying that if they do get caught, it is only one year in jail. But if they succeed, Ben will be liberated. So that, and this is true. I think grave robbing at the time was just a one-year penalty, which is so funny when one yeah. of them's done five years for dodgy notes. Yeah, but stealing a president. Fine, you get one year. I guess. Yeah. Maybe if it, it's like stealing an, a regular body, a normie body. Yeah. Okay. A yeah. president. It should be like eighteen months. Eighteen months. Yeah. 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 You had a what a fifty percent. <laughs> yeah. Fee on top. Yeah. <laughs> Presidential president, loading. President. <laughs> president tax. Yeah. Loading made more sense. <laughs> Robertson continues, The next day, Tyrrell reported to Washington that Swaggles had told them that the attempt to steal the body would be made the following night, November 7, election day. So, again, they're, they're doing it on, the, on, on a day that they know is going to be busy with celebrations and whatnot, um, which they called the criminals, Mullen and Jacques. Uh, <laughs> they called a damned elegant time to do it, according to the thieves. Thorough Irish. Americans. I don't know why I'm doing an English accent, but anyway, just feels right. Oh, damned elegant. Okay. According to Thomas R. Turner, writing for the Abraham Lincoln Association, they liked Election Day as, quote, liquor would be flowing freely. There would be crowds of farmers with wagons, and one more wagon with a package on the back would not attract undue attention. It's just another another yeah. wagon with a package on the just back. Just another you driving off a, off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> The plan's gone awry. <laughs> There's a top hat sticking out the top, though. Like, Normally, wagons don't have a top hat on the back. That is weird. That's weird, but that is the election day. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy things will happen on election day. Yeah. Wagons like to dress up. Respect- the horses are also wearing top hats. I don't know. Everybody looks quite dapper. <laughs> it, well, they look damned elegant, to be honest. Uh, Terrell then met with Robert Lincoln. Yes, a relation to the president. It's his son and Elmer Washburn. And they, uh, Washburn was previously the chief of the Secret Service. The current president had uh, sacked him the week before because he thought he was, wasn't to be trusted. But Wow. Right, because all he's doing is protecting the old president's body. <laughs> yeah. What about my body? Yeah. I'm still here. Come I'm on. right here. Uh, so, uh, they chatted and decided that Tyrrell probably needed a bit of help in foiling the plot. So, extra men were recruited for the cause. Connor Robertson, Tyrrell and Washburn called on Alan Pinkerton, head of the famed Pinkerton National Detective Agency. Have you heard of this? Yeah. yeah. I hadn't, but apparently they're, they're quite a famous detective agency and they hired two of their operatives, uh, John C. McGinn and George Hay. And during the afternoon, they enlisted two more helpers, John McDonald, a detective from the Illinois Humane Society, and John English, who had been Washburn's private secretary when he headed the Secret Service. Wow, so Johnny like English. He's 
put together his own ragtag band. Yeah. Feels like now you'd just be like, all right, we'll have some of the officers from our department. But there he had to like, he just put put his own band together. Mm. Of the Pinkertons, Kyle Haggerty, one of the uh, topic suggesters, he said, these guys were involved in saving President Lincoln and providing Lincoln with bodyguards. So this is while he was still alive. They were also uh, they also warred with Jesse James and guarded the coffin of Marilyn Monroe. At one point, they were larger than the U.S. Army. They were also spies, and they hired the first female detective. Oh, and one last thing: their founder became a detective by accident. Anyway, that sounds like a great topic in what? itself. What? I was almost going to do a side report yeah. in the middle there, and then I'm like, that sounds like enough for a full report. Yeah. Um. So someone remind me of that. Great instinct there. Maybe you. Kyle Haggerty. Hmm. I'm just saying, I was looking in the middle distance for a second there, Kyle. But if my gaze met yours. Then so be it. Then so be it. (laughs) If my gaze met yours. (laughs) Anyway, at 9pm on the 6th of November, two separate groups boarded the train from Chicago, Windy City, to Springfield. One was Agent Tyrrell with his lawmen, and in another carriage sat... Hughes, Mullins, Swaggles, and a new recruit named Billy Brown, who was going to drive the getaway wagon. I love the getaway wagon. It's fun. <laughs> um, but it's so funny that, that like, they're going, ah, we're going to do this great crime. It's going to be so good. And the guys are just, like, following them literally on the same train. Yeah. We're going to meet them there to stop them doing it. It's easy. Which they obviously could have done at any point, but I think they wanted to catch them in the act. It uh, makes... You know, it's hard to deny when yeah. you're caught. makes charging him easier. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, you help me put sentences in a few I words. I help you get through the fucking day. Yeah, that's okay. what I was- yeah. You'd be an absolute mess I, without me. I mean, I am still. I call him at 7 a.m. I say, okay, Matt, get out of bed. Yeah, one foot at a time, mate. Okay, yeah. off to the shower, you know. Like, he just can't do anything. I say to Jess, how do I put my pants on again? And you say, just like everyone else does, one leg at a time. Yeah. He still fucks it up. Yeah. I jump in. <laughs> Two legs in a one hole. He's a it's mess. It's a nightmare. <laughs> this show is brought to you by BetterHelp. i got to get something off my chest. Okay. I ate your last biscuit. I was that saving has been, them for my wedding. That has been stressing. <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. It was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit he, that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> That is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. 
You can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Uh, So... So yeah, they're they're on the same train, separate carriages. Um, That's good privacy. And their getaway driver, Billy Brown, he was recruited by Swaggles. Ah. Oh. Um, and so the supposed criminal getaway driver, Billy Brown, was actually Swaggles' non-criminal friend, Bill Neely. Uh, Bill so, Neely. Bill Neely. Billy Neely. Billy Neely. <gasps> That's a beautiful name. That is really nice. That is really nice. Billy Neely. Billy Neely. I love it. I love it too. I love it more. Amazing. It's, blown my, it's actually blown my mind. Yeah, Dave, we lost Dave for a bit. Yeah. yeah. He was looking into the middle distance and then his gaze met mine by coincidence. Oh, <laughs> Willy nilly. Billy nilly. Wow. That's good stuff. According to Robertson, the train arrived at Springfield at 6am on election day and Tyrrell and his aides checked into the St. Nicholas Hotel. At 8.30, Swaggle showed up to inform Tyrrell that Mullen and Hughes, that's uh, Jacques Hughes, yes. were registered at the nearby cafe... Cafe, that's not right. At the nearby St. Charles Hotel and had left a call for 10.30am. I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) They've registered for a croissant and a small coffee. (laughs) That's what they used to call ordering. (laughs) That was nowhere near the word cafe there. St. 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 Cafe. Oh. (laughs) While the plotters slept, the detectives checked out the monument accompanied by the president of the Lincoln Monument Association and the monument custodian, custodian, a man named J.C. Power, which is a fantastic name. Mm. Um, Jesus Christ Power. (laughs) It does feel like (laughs) the name of one of those real American-style preachers. Yeah. J.C. Power. J.C. Power. Come see J.C. Power. Mm. In mid-afternoon, Swaggles and Jack Hughes also inspected the tomb and worked out last-minute details of the upcoming night's work. Mullen had worried that it might be impossible to break into the heavy sarcophagus, but Hughes came away bubbling with optimism, saying, "Why, well, I could kick it open. <laughs> I could fall against it and open it. He's just like, this thing's, it's, it's paper mache in there. It's flimsy. How does he know? He had a look at it and sort of done a bit of... Yeah, I think so. Just yep. a few yeah, taps. Yeah, yep. That's plywood. Yep. That's nothing. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, Such a bit of cloth. Yeah, what do you got here? What's that? <laughs> yeah, he's under What's a, that, some sort of timber? He's under a sheet. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> He's in Almost a Ziploc bag. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Mullen, like, they came out of it with the total opposite feeling. So, Jacques Hughes is the guy going, yeah, I'm into it. I, this is easy, too good. Mullen, the guy's like, I'm mainly in this to win America's respect. He's like the opposite. He's going, it is too well, hard. This is going to work. We're going to need more tools. And he's like, we need an axe. So, he went and stole an axe. Okay. Just go Bunnings. Well, where do you think you stole the axe from? Oh, you wanted to buy an axe? What, yeah. what with some sort of fake currency? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Where's the cash, boy? It'll cost you eighteen cents. Well, I guess that's the the problem. Boyd's gone away, so their their supply mm. of notes is probably running out if it hasn't already. 
Uh, and yeah, like I said, we hear, we know all these intimate details because Swaggles, they're saying that Swaggles hearing it, then he's going to report it. And so they get like these, you'd never hear these things from a heist like this. Yeah. But we're hearing like direct quotes. Well, I could kick it open, I could fall against <laughs> it and it would open. Which is great. Imagine we didn't have that. Maybe Jacques just was really into martial arts. Had oh, a very powerful yeah. kick. Yes. Yeah. You know. And a very powerful fall. I could kick something open. <laughs> yeah. Can of Pringles. Well, you said to me, as while well, Dave was um, in the John or something, you came and you said, what would you do if I'd kick this door down? Yeah. So, you, it's something you think about often. Constantly. You're always thinking about kicking things down. Yeah. The patriarchy mostly. <laughs> I was thinking the same. It's okay. You are. And you do. Yeah. Every day. Uh, every day. It's just my existence. Which is so exhausting when I have to put it back up again. <laughs> <laughs> every day. Every day. I have to reassemble the patriarchy because Jess has kicked it down As again. As a feminist, I just think fair's fair. Yeah. We don't want to take the patriarchy down every in that day. Way. <laughs> Um, so Robertson's uh, still talking here, and I appreciate it. this article or this uh, story written by Robertson is older than you two. She wrote it in in 1982. Wow, not older than me. I was born in the but, Middle Ages, yeah, or whenever it was. The You're wind, old as the wind. I'm as old as Chicago, the windy city. <laughs> uh, about 4:45 p.m., Swaggles managed once again to slip away to bring Tyrrell up to date on the counterfeiters' activities. At six o'clock, Swaggles left to meet his fellow grave robbers and to assure them that he'd just seen Billy Brown, the very real getaway driver he organised. And he said, yep, all's going to plan. Billy's good to go. Billy's good to go. He'll be there. He's, he filled up the, the horses. The horses are full of unleaded. <laughs> he cleans the windscreen wipers on the horses. <laughs> he's like, he's starting to get, he's like, oh, the, um, bring it down. His uh, brain's going, bring it down, mate. Bring it down, Chill Swags. out. Chill out. Chill. You're doing Come well. On. Just keep, play cool. Play cool. But in truth, Billy Brown, aka Bill, Billy Nilly, <laughs> never even made it to Springfield. After being introduced to the gang on the train, he slipped off just outside of Chicago. It's like, yeah, I'm real. We'll see you there. I'm going to go have a nap, I guess, in the other carriage. And <laughs> he just jumped off. And they, I don't understand how they didn't notice that. But Why introduce him at all then? Just to prove that he's real. Okay. Sure. I guess you want to meet somebody that you're going to work with on a yeah. on a big heist. Yeah, yeah. It's fair enough. You never need to see him again, but you want to meet him once. Yeah, it feels like you'd just get you'd take him with you for yeah. the journey. Yeah. Maybe you charge by the hour. Yeah, other places. Billy nearly. It was in hot demand. Uh, soon after nightfall, Tyrrell and the other lawmen arrived at the memorial. One of the men, John English, fantastic name. Um, John English. Do you think Johnny English, the character, was based on him? Yes, absolutely. Um, so, Johnny English had the job of notifying Tyrrell as soon as he heard the robbers making noise in the burial chamber. So, they positioned him. Apparently, when they got there, the custodian of the the tomb took them all in like an elephant file or whatever you call it, holding hands through the darkness of the tomb till he took them to a spot where like, all right, we can put a light on in here and they won't be able to see us from outside. Uh, and then they they positioned John English just behind this wall. So he could hear. He had to sit there quietly, and then the rest of the, the rest of the lawmen went to a spot a bit further away from the action. Took off their shoes and laid in wait. Um, I think they took off their shoes out so of respect. Out of respect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Was they, Lincoln wearing shoes? Yeah, 
didn't think so. He's famous for a top hat, not a bottom shoe. No. Nah. <laughs> Barefoot. If you look down, he's wearing a six-foot shoe. He's yeah. actually not a very, very tall man at all. Oh. Yeah, it's all symmetrical. He's all shoe. Yeah. <laughs> the man's all shoe. <laughs> <laughs> he's a hat sandwich, that man. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I assume they took the shoes off to they'd be quiet when they, yeah. when they yeah. charged in. Much like when you get home at 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're going to charge in the bed. Don't worry. I'll sneak in. They'll never hear me. <laughs> yeah. Got no shoes on, but I have punched a hole in the wall and kicked the door in. Yeah. Shh. I'm sneaking in. Uh, so, they were waiting on two signals, one from English to say that they were in the tomb. They were making noise. As soon as he heard any noise in there, he's like, he was meant <laughs> was to he get hearing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you hear any ghosts, anything cool like that, let <laughs> us know. Let us know. Flash your light. That'd be sick. We're mainly here to arrest them, but we've also got a team from uh, Ghost Snatchers. Um, <laughs> it's a Foxtel show, and they're going to come in and try and see what we can get. If they're there's any orbs of light of or anything like that, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yes, so that was one signal. The other signal they were waiting for was Swaggles was going to. Go out and apparently light up a cigar, and that would signal to them that they were in and they're actually opening the um, uh, the coffin itself. I think so they're about to break in and say, oh, "Sorry, guys, I just got to go out the front with a celebratory cigar. I'll leave you to it." This is one of the. This is just a little tradition. I, you know, as you know, I like coffin snatch all the time. Do it all the time. This is just a Part thing I do process. for luck. Yeah, have a cigar midway through. I was like, "You want me to do this? If I don't do this, who knows what will happen?" Yeah. Obviously, as the uh, the most experienced coffin snatcher here. I don't want to get on the tools. I'm more of an overseer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My days of being on the tools are over. Yeah. I'm more of a manager now. That's right. I'm a consultant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they basically just to, to make the conviction easier, they wanted to catch them right in the middle of the act. So, over two hours of waiting, sitting there quietly. Without, without shoes without on. Without shoes. <laughs> uh, they waited and they waited. And then around 9 p.m., Jacques Hughes, Mullen, and Swaggles arrived ready to snatch a president. <laughs> Which one? Oh, specifically Lincoln. Okay, but they would have taken whatever they could get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know this is the Lincoln Memorial yeah. or whatever. If Thomas but Jefferson walked, pa- walked past, they would have grabbed him. We'll take him. <laughs> we'll take whoever the current one is, whatever. Uh, according to Robertson, Hughes and Mullen, be- uh, that's Jacques Hughes, and Mullen began to, and I like to, th- it's not, but I like to think Chris Mullen, the uh, flat-topped, Three-point specialist from the Golden State Warriors in the 90s. That's what I'm picturing. Sure. I don't think he looked like that. Uh-huh. Um, but that's who's in your head. In my head, he's that. Yeah. Jacques Hughes is a concept. Okay. In my he's head. kind of just a, a blob. Yeah. But they're actually, you know, just old olden days looking bearded men. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so, Hughes and Mullen, they start cutting through the padlock on the door to the burial chamber. Luckily, they'd brought a professional burglar's saw which is obviously something you can get at Bunnings. But Mullen, who had no experience with it, broke it immediately. Good. <laughs> so, instead, he had to slowly wear away the lock with a small file. Just luckily, he had a nail file on him. And he's- God, take forever. <laughs> I think he's going to slowly wear it away with his teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. So, um, we, just, we just heard one of the- Thousand noises. Oh. Sorry, we've got a number that. What was that one? Which one was it? Uh, it was. Uh, Sometimes I do them without thinking. With a um, a nail file. Yeah, small oh. nail file on a presidential tomb's lock. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's three three three. Wow. Mm. Wow. Mm. 
Can we actually hear what was the, the big professional saw that broke? Oh. What did that sound like? Oh, such a shame because it happens so much, way more quicker. It goes <laughs> way um, more quicker. <laughs> Jess, can you put that in English? Johnny quicker. English, quicker. <laughs> that happened quicker. <laughs> three words. You turn three into one. Yeah, that's why my reports go for an hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yours go for six. <laughs> and I, so the the big professional. And the other reason is you two make me dance like a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> and when you try to do that to me, I say no. No, no that's <laughs> moving on. You say we don't have time for that. <laughs> and that's the lesson. Yeah, yeah. The the professional one very quickly it happens goes. <laughs> so it's just one, one and done. Wow, that's a powerful that's quite a difference, saw. Yeah, powerful wow. saw. Yeah, but you'd be furious, wouldn't you? If yeah, that happened. yeah. Especially if you were Jacques Hughes standing next to me going, "And the hell, you broke a saw? Yeah, <laughs> it's a professional grade <laughs> burglar saw. How'd you break it so easy? Don't worry, I've got a Swiss Army knife. There's a small little file on it. <laughs> yeah. Just give us about three weeks. I'll get through it this. Should thing. be fine. Fine. And in the meantime. Johnny English is there with his ear against the wall and he's he's listening to it all and apparently he reported back to the others saying, they're in there, I can hear the sounds of filing and also muffled but heartfelt cursing. <laughs> Frick. Just. Come on. Frick. <laughs> That's such a, that's such a beautifully described. You're like you know exactly. <laughs> muffled but heartfelt cursing like, is so. If you good. hear your dad making that noise in the shed, you do not approach. <laughs> <laughs> do it again. God <laughs> I imagine it's you sound like Gollum. <laughs> I haven't seen that, but. <laughs> So, so they've got one of the signals. They got the one from Johnny English, but they haven't got the one from Swaggles. <laughs> it's the longest cigar of his life. He's like, well, the problem is, yeah, that's the, that's the main one they're waiting for because that means he's bro- they've broken in the sarcophagus, and that was when they're going to arrest him. But unfortunately, once he got in and he was working with them, the other two are like, "We need you to hold the lantern." He's like, "Oh, okay." So oh, I don't know what they were, the plan was. Otherwise, they would can't would, do it in the dark. Why wouldn't you just be like, "Guys, I'm desperate for a piss." Oh yeah, hang on good. one sec. I'm just going to pop outside, and they'll be like, "Just piss here." Piss here. Like, well, piss that's on the president. Of the president. <laughs> um, and I can't. I get stage fright. Yeah, in front of presidents. So I've got to go outside to, <laughs> to piss. Won't be long. That's what I'd do. Man, you could have. What you do for me, you could have done for Swaggles. Yeah. You could have made life a lot easier for I him. make life easier for so many yeah, people. Swag- Swaggles got to stand up for himself. Though. Yeah. Hold so- this. Oh, okay. Come on, Swaggles. So he felt like he was he was stuck there holding the lantern. Also a lantern. Just leaning against the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, know, anyway, Robertson says this is how uh, she describes uh, them their process of, of um, getting into the sarcophagus. They lifted off the ornamental marble cover and gingerly leaned it against the crypt in the back wall. But the inner lid wouldn't budge. Mullen snatched up a sledgehammer Ooh. and was about to swing it when Swaggles grabbed his arm and said, man, the custodian might be around. We can't just start smacking through. Um, so he luckily brought it down because Swaggles was also like, well, I don't want you to actually break this, yeah. the, the president's coffin. Um, 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? Breaking the president's coffee? <laughs> yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> That might be loud. Yeah. Do it in yeah. a quiet way. Get the file out again. Yeah, that's why. That's my problem. Yep. The, the noise. 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 Uh, then they discovered that the inner lid was secured by several copper dowels, which they quickly removed. Then they balanced it crosswise across the foot of the sarcophagus, removed the piece at its head, and slid Lincoln's cedar-covered lead coffin partway out. Now it was time for Swiggles to bring up the wagon that Mullen and Hughes still believed was waiting at the foot of the Monument Hill, which obviously it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I better go make, I gotta go do the signal to the to the bad guys, not the good guys. Yeah. yeah obviously, yeah. why would I be doing a signal yeah. to, and I would not even think of yep. bad the cops good. as like, I just good, think and, you know. The cops are the bad guys. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna do the signal so to the, the good, good guys. guys. Us. Us. Uh, Bill, 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 Billy, Nilly, Billy, Billy, Bra- Billy Brown. Billy Brown. Billy Brown. Got to yeah. bring the thing up. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> also, I'm going to have a little uh, puff on this uh, cigar okay. on the way down. So he's about to leave and Mullen said, Oi, before you go. I love you. I love you. <laughs> I know you're a cop, but I love you. <laughs> Kisses him on the cheek. I can't believe you did this to me, but I love you. Uh, he said, when you get back, give the whistle. Otherwise, you're liable to get hurt. We might fire at you thinking it was somebody else. We're not going to let anyone come monkeying around here. Oh, wow. So, it's sort so, of- so if, if they storm in, all hell will break loose. Yeah. Shit. Shit, yes. Swe- what whistle? Oh, imagine if you couldn't whistle. Because it's got to be a whisper whistle. Yeah. Because you know, if you can't just loudly whistle. And what's a, you were doing it then, but Dave rudely talked over you. What's a whisper whistle? Mm. Mm. A lot of inhale. Yeah, it's mainly in. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, like in guitar, it's like up picking. Yeah. The same for whistling. In sucking. <laughs> As opposed to out sucking. Yeah. Oh, so I just, whistling sorry, is I, all that suck and blow. I really hate to have to dumb it down for you guys, but. <laughs> uh, Swaggles was already meant to have given the signal to Tyrrell, but he got stuck unexpectedly. Couldn't get out to light a cigar, but now he had his chance. So, he's like, all right, down down to the wagon. And then once he got into darkness, he doubled back to signal to Tyrrell that it was go time. And did he signal with a cigar? Uh, I would say reports differ. Oh, okay. Oh. okay. But he got the signal. One of them, it sounds like he went and he just literally went up to him and said, yeah, it's it now. Go, and go, like, go. we're waiting for the signal. <laughs> we're waiting for the signal. <laughs> Where's the cigar? <laughs> Treat yourself. <laughs> You've done so good. Yeah. Uh, so, finally, having received the signal, Tyrrell and the other shoeless men drew their guns and ran for the tomb. Unfortunately, though, one of the men, depending on who you read, according to Robertson, it was Detective McGinn. According to Turner, it was George Hay, two of the Pinkerton detectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, either way, one of the men had an old-fashioned gun that went off accidentally, breaking the nighttime silence <laughs> and also their... Their surprise, yeah, was gone because because there's a gun going <laughs> there's a off. Gun going off. <laughs> um, back to Robertson. Wait, wait, it's okay. It might just be a horse backfiring. <laughs> just wait. Could be fireworks. That could be Billy Brown's <laughs> horse backfiring. It's okay. Yeah. Wait, is Billy Brown's horse rocket powered? <laughs> Maybe he's just lit the nas or the nos. Nos. Or the- <laughs> hit the nos on the horse. <laughs> the horse nos. Horse nos. 
<laughs> that was just putting coke up the horse's nostril. <laughs> have a go at that. Have a go. I have a go at that. <laughs> um, and then to slow the horse down, you injected heroin. That's how it got the name horse. <laughs> Uh, back to Robinson. Afraid of the noise, <laughs> afraid the noise that alerted the robbers, Tyrrell burst into the pitch dark burial chamber alone and revolver in hand, called for the thieves to surrender. He couldn't see, but he's like, Oi, hands up, you're busted. So he's the one that's been waiting this whole time. Yes, he's, he's the leader of the. Wow. Yeah. He's like, I've heard a gun go off, fuck it. Everyone on the ground. Yes. Uh, there's no answer. <laughs> he can't see anything. He can't see anything. So he strikes a match. <gasps> He can see the sarcophagus is still there, broken, but uh, still there. But he was dismayed to find that, quote, no fiend was there. It was empty. He dashed back to Memorial Hall and told the custodian, JC Power, to bring lanterns. Pausing only to put on his shoes, he ran to the southwest stairs of the terrace, thinking that the thieves might have gone up there to await the wagon. The moon was about to rise and seeing the outlines of two men on the northwest corner of the terrace, some 70 feet away, he opened fire. So he sees them. 70 feet away and- Starts know, shooting. Starts shooting at and him. When you say no fiend was there, as in the criminals aren't there, but was the body still intact? body was still there. Okay, they, they, hadn't, have- they hadn't got all the way in through yeah. the gotcha. sarcophagus. But just it was partially break- broken. Made a break for it. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yep. Whoa. They heard the gunshot. And they took off. But he sees them and he starts, or he sees their silhouette, starts firing at him. The targets fire back Whoa. as they continue to dash. Uh, Tyrrell ran to the southeast corner where he and the two men ex- exchanged shots. Then all three ran back to their original corners. Tyrrell shouted down to Washburn, Chief, we have the devils up here, and called for his men to come up as backup. From across the dark terrace, someone called, Tyrrell, is that you? Tyrrell ignored it, for he knew that one of the crooks, uh, Jacques Hughes, knew his voice. The same man called again, Tyrrell, for God's sake, answer, is that you shooting us? This time, Tyrrell recognised the voice as Detective McGinn's. Three of the lawmen had been shooting at each other. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh. Yep. Okay. No one really comes out looking good. You think no. you'd say, Tyrrell, is that you? It's McGinn's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's me. Yeah. McGinn's. Certainly not the criminal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good try. They all know my name. <laughs> no, seriously, is it you? Oh, fuck. Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. In the meantime, Hughes and Mullen had already made their escape. Wow. Connor Robertson, they had gone to wait for the wagon under a small oak tree 100, 100 feet away. This is even before that gunshot rang out. They're like, we're, we're going to, I guess, wait get, wait for the wagon. Then the four of them go up and carry the uh, the coffin down. Uh, when the detectives rounded the corner, so they start charging in, the gunshot goes off. Hughes and Mullen were, had already started walking forward, thinking that the two men were Swaggles and Billy Brown. But then they got within 30 feet and realised they were not looking at two men, but a small crowd. <gasps> then they overheard enough to convince them that the figures were lawmen. Then they turned and fled. They had already cleared the cemetery grounds when the sound of shots reached them. Whoa. And that, that shootout was... So it was a bad night for Tyrrell. Not only had the thieves escaped, but only great good fortune had kept his men from killing one another. That would have been the only thing. Like, it's yeah. pretty sh- shambolic as it was yeah, and embarrassing, but... It would have been a disaster if he'd gone up and his crew killed each other. Yeah. You know, imagine if they all- Yeah. Yeah. Um, he later said, It was one of the most unfortunate nights I've ever experienced, yet God protected us in doing right. 
J.C. Power, the monument's custodian, later wrote that, in his view, it had all turned out for the best, the fact that they'd already fled. He said, if Tyrrell had found them in the burial chamber, entering the door as he did, they could and would have seen him and shot him before he could have learned which of the dark corners they were in. Yeah. So he couldn't see anything. Yeah. So if he did actually disturb them, he probably would have been taken out. Yeah, immediately. Still, Tyrrell had to put up with some very painful abuse in the nation's newspapers. Some suggested that the whole fiasco had been a phony drama enacted to get Washburn enough publicity to secure him the job of Chicago police chief. So <laughs> that was what the conspiracy theories came out straight away. Uh, others seemed to think that Detective McGinn or Hay, depending on who you read, had set off the pistol on purpose to warn the thieves, like the Pinkerton detective. Oh, Some were saying- It was an accidental yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, According to Turner, these sensational events did not gain immediate national attention as they would today. This was partially because no winner had been decided in the presidential contest. And I still don't know who won this because I haven't heard of either of these guys. Rutherford Hayes and Samuel Tilden. Any of those ring Yeah, Rutherford B. Hayes, I think. Oh, oh Rutherford, B. Hayes. Rutherford B. Hayes. <laughs> oh, B. Hayes. Um, <laughs> yeah, 19th US president, Rutherford. <laughs> Saucy, 19th. Behaves. 87 to 81. Uh, yeah, there you go. Jeez, you've got a good memory of American presidents. I only know the big ones. Bush. Bush. Clinton. Lincoln. B. Johnson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are there any others? Obama. Obama. Trump. Trump. The current guy. Actually, I know I've got a few. Yeah, look at you go. And uh, Andrew Jackson. That's basically all of them. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, the, the news of the, the close election race meant that all other news was sort of forgotten about for a little while. Some accounts accused Washburn of looking for a more important job for himself. That was what they're saying, trying to – he set it up just to look good. Mm. And if it, that was the case, it, it backfired. How embarrassing. Mm. Uh, others thought that the Democrats or Republicans had concocted the tale to help their candidate achieve victory, like either of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is clear sort of dodginess from the Republicans or Democrats who were trying <laughs> to get- What's the tactic there? Mm. Uh, <laughs> if it's not clear which party it is- Yeah, I don't really I don't understand. It hasn't worked. Uh, there was also some criticism of the Secret Service for knowing about the plot and allowing Hughes and Mullen to escape the cemetery, which, yeah, I mean, that feels like that is pretty embarrassing. Yeah. But, you know, things went wrong. That um, happens. They what? were figuring out as they went. What, general public? You've never made mistakes? Yeah. You've never had a whoopsie? Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> come on. Guys, let's get together. This is my fucking point. It's gotten, it's really warm in it here. It is warm in here. <laughs> this is like the mind. old school. I know. And you're wearing a sweater around your shoulders like, like a you're from a fraternity. Yeah. Yeah. Or like you're on or a polo yacht. club. I'm or a something. private school boy. I've got um boat shoes on too. Oh my god. Yeah. And daddy's credit card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm struggling to keep my eyes open. Oh, we're we're getting close to the end here, don't worry about that. <laughs> I don't want to say it like that. 
So I don't know either, but I loved it. So, yeah, it, it felt pretty embarrassing. Anyway, back to Robinson. Hughes and Mullen arrived at dawn at a farmhouse. So, they've fled. They've got away. They're about seven miles northeast of Springfield. They asked anxiously to the farmer if any strange men had been noticed in the neighborhood. And the farmer said that he hadn't seen anyone. The pair bought breakfast from the farmer then went to the farm of Hughes' father near Loda in Illinois, where Hughes stayed while Mullen returned to his familiar spot behind the bar at the hub. He just went straight back to work, <laughs> thinking, I guess. No one will think to look for me here. Yeah. Swaggles went back to the bar as well, telling Mullen that he also just narrowly escaped the law. <laughs> oh, that's a bit brave. That Isn't is- that brave? Yeah. Right? A week or so later, and he just he went back to the being a regular at the pub. So, Marlon would have slowly been like, oh, every, I guess we, guess no harm, no foul. week or so later on November the 17th, Jacques Hughes uh, came back to the bar also. So, the, the gang's back together, including Swaggles, who they don't realise wow. still is- uh, An informant. An informer. Uh, Swaggles <laughs> continued to keep Tyrrell abreast of the situation and a warrant was obtained by the Chicago police officer, Dennis Sims. Connor Robertson, Sims, along with Tyrrell, McGinn, and Washburn, at last performed the satisfying task of arresting and handcuffing Hughes and Mullen and carting them off to Chicago's Central Police Station. The next day, they were taken to Springfield, where they were identified by several witnesses. Two days after that, on November the 20th, 1876, Hughes and Mullen were indicted. At that time, there was no law in Illinois to cover grave robbing, so the charge was that they, quote, did law did unlawfully and feloniously attempt to steal, take and carry away certain personal goods and property. To wit, one casket, otherwise called a coffin, the personal goods and property of the National Lincoln Monument Association against the peace and dignity of the people of the state of Illinois. The value of the coffin uh, was $75. So they were, you know. Was that 75 years sentence? (laughs) So that's what that's what um, Robertson said happened. But according to Turner, most accounts state that authorities discovered to their surprise that there was no law against grave robbing in Illinois. <laughs> Therefore, they had to rely on conspiracy and theft charges. This was not true. And there was an Illinois law against grave robbing. The real issue was that grave robbery only carried a maximum one year sentence and the conspiracy charges provided for a longer prison term. The sentence would also be served at the state penitentiary where the prisoners could be put to hard labor. So basically, mm. he's saying, no, well, that's not actually true. They got done for different crimes because they could get a, a harsher penalty this way. Uh, Hughes and Mullen continued their bumbling ways during the trial. Several individuals, including Hughes's sister Bridget, came forward to put up a, quote, straw bail for their release. The practice of pledging property they did not own to make good on a bail default so they're saying oh we'll put up that house yeah that's one of my houses the one down the road it's one of mine put that up i'll put that I up no yeah, yeah i've got heaps that's the right. one next to that either side <laughs> take, take them take them all i got this whole suburb yeah so i'll put the suburb up if that'll do if that helps uh apparently the sister and a number of other straw bailers were arrested for doing so and the duo also wrote letters to a friend requesting that he provide a, fa- a false alibi. The letters were intercepted and read into the court record, <laughs> creating a very negative impression with the jury. There is little wonder that the two men were convicted, although after the trial, the jury wrote a letter demanding the indictment of Swaggles, suggesting that he should be sentenced to three years in prison as they believed that he was the gang's ring- ringleader, which is 
bizarre. Hang on, Swaggles, the, the undercover cop. Yeah, the jury's like, we think he's. We think the- he's the worst. <laughs> yeah. Can they do that? No, I don't think anything came of it. Oh, <laughs> but it was a front. He wasn't on trial. If I was he, the judge, I'd be like, he's the only reason that we're. Yeah, if I was the judge, I'd be like, have you listened to anything that's happened? <laughs> do you know who that is? I think maybe we need a new jury. These people <laughs> Let's are go idiots. again. All right. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah, thank, thank you for you, that. Though, thank, thank you. you. Uh, do you want to just out that door? Yeah, out that. <laughs> so it's a pull. It's a pull door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't get out. Uh, so uh, they both got done, uh, and they got uh, they had to do hard labour. And after that, Hughes apparently disappeared without a trace. Mullen, however, surfaced again on April the twenty first, eighteen eighty eight. He was found guilty in Donna Anna County, New Mexico, of conspiracy in a land fraud case, and was given three years in the New Mexico State Penitentiary and a fine of one thousand dollars. And he served that sentence in full. The mastermind behind the plot. Big Jim, he fell on hard times in 1880. So, it seems like he sort of maybe, I'm not sure. Because he wasn't there, I guess. He wasn't there, maybe, yeah. Hmm. Or they did. Either way, he's dead now. (laughs) Um, But apparently, he eventually broke his own rule against getting within touching distance of counterfeit money and was arrested in St. Louis. St. Louis or St. Louis? I always forget that. Louis. St. Louis for dealing in and being in possession of bogus $10 notes. After much legal delay, he was sentenced to serve one year in the Illinois State Penitentiary, uh, still the home of his old friend, Ben Boyd. So, the whole point of it was oh, to get was him to out. get Ben Boyd. And, and it- in the end, they're serving time together. Well, that's nice. Ben. Yeah. Ben, I'm here to get you out. <laughs> At least part of it was, you know, <laughs> well, I'm I'm, I want door. Ben back. Yeah. Now you got Ben back. That's right. That's nice. Maybe that was his- Long game, yeah. long plan all along. Just want to be with Ben. Just want to be with Ben. That's yeah. nice. I mean, as if we're ever going to steal a body successfully. I just want to be with Ben. I just want to be with Ben. And I knew that, you know, Ben wouldn't respect me unless I got in here for doing something big. You know, it's like an old romantic comedy. It's the big romantic gesture. Yeah. It's his version of holding the boom box above his That's head. That's right. Running out into the pitch. Yeah. Holding Abe's body above his head. <laughs> I love you. In the rain. I've I always love loved you. you. <laughs> Uh, finally, let's just talk about what ended up happening to Lincoln's body. Oh, yeah. So, according to Turner, his family and friends after this wished to guard against future threats to Lincoln's coffin. So, in 1880, Lincoln was secretly reburied in the tomb's interior. They never know to look there in the same tomb. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess it's quite big. Um, And it had to be moved several times due to the tomb's deterioration. And high water table. So, they had to move it around a bit. Wow. But there was this group of, I think they were locals, and they all swore to secrecy on where it would be, and they kept that secret forever. The real secret service of these guys. Then when (laughs) Mary Lincoln, his wife, died in 1882, she was also secretly buried beside her husband. In 1901, Robert Lincoln finally settled on a plan for the permanent reburial of his father. Robert, who had worked for the Pullman Company, and ultimately became its president, was well aware of the extraordinary measures that had been taken by the Pullman family to secure the remains of George Pullman, the head of the, of the Pullman company, obviously. And uh, they they buried him very securely securely because they were worried about desecration by disgruntled employees. Oh, shit. So, you know, it's a, you know that's a good place of Yeah, beautiful work. culture. <laughs> uh, so- I, don't, I don't want any of these employees to dig me up and shit on me. <laughs> 
Okay, then maybe you could probably do something about that now while yeah. you're alive. <laughs> so that's what um, basically Robert Lincoln copied what the Pullman family did, burying Lincoln, his dad, in a huge deep grave, then adding a steel protector in place and then pouring tons of concrete on top. So basically, in the end, he was buried like he was a mafia victim. Yeah. You know? <laughs> They'll never find you tribute. now, Dad. Yeah, that's right. They'll never be able to take you. Thus ends my report into the plot to steal Abraham Lincoln's body. Great work. Blockbuster Toba. <laughs> Approved. <laughs> Appropriate. Approved. Well, is that so you're you wait till the end of every block episode before you, you say whether or not the public was correct, don't yeah, you? No, no. It's just a, some some topics like you go, Blockbuster Toba, you hear it and you go, of course that's one. That's a big- How have we never yeah. covered that? Mm. But this is a, a more obscure topic that I don't know of you guys. I'd never heard of it before. I'd never heard of it then either. Then I go, yep, they chose good. <laughs> yeah, they did well. And I couldn't imagine, I'm sure we'll, you'll post on the social media map, but the Lincoln's tomb in Springfield, I couldn't uh, imagine what it looked like. It is quite big, but then I've noticed that they've got a- a face of Abraham Lincoln there, and it's one of those things where people have clearly rubbed his nose for luck yeah. so much. But he's got this big honker that's like, like is that what happened to the Sphinx? <laughs> it's all shiny. Yeah, they rubbed it off for luck. So he's got this really funny looking nose. Yeah, that, it looks yeah. like he's he's an Australian cricketer with a yeah, bit of zinc yeah, exactly, on his nose. Yeah, ready for summer. But yeah, in, incredible looking tomb. I can see how yeah you could be in there and not see someone else. Yes. It was completely apparently dark. in the dark. It was a bit of a maze as well. Um, but yeah, a lot of the families now buried in there as well. Oh, how cool! And it, it's even though the town really wanted it in the center of town, worried that if it's on the outskirts, it, it wouldn't be as good for tourism. Apparently, that is still the biggest tourist attraction. Yeah, fair. Well, I mean, probably the town's expanded over time, and now that is the middle. Of <laughs> yeah, town. yeah, that's how it tends to go, isn't it? And, uh, and they wanted to put that on a roundabout. Oh, <laughs> but according to bridal, 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 vehicle, bridal dresses, bridal party. Car hire, jeez, and I—I I mean, I—I I would. They'd be my phone a friend if I was everyone who wants to be a millionaire. I agree. <laughs> Quick, call the good people at Bridal Car Hire. Eddie, put them on. Put them on. <laughs> Eddie, put them on. Eddie, Eddie, call them. Eddie, come on. Are you calling them? <laughs> and your dad never got to that point, did he? He was out. What on the first? No, he question? was in the hot seat edition with no phone of friends. Okay. No phone of friends. And it wasn't the first question. He honestly, it's a shame. The hot seat thing's fun because it's a bit more movement and whatever. But the old school one was, you know, it was like test match cricket versus a 2020. Exactly. You know what I mean? The real stuff. The versus, real stuff. You know, this new crap to get all the kids watching. Yeah. Whatever. Let's get your dad on the classic version. <laughs> Bring it back. Bring it back. Phone a friend. Bridal car. Mm. Uh, we'll be available. You've got to be the phone a friend. For certain categories. I imagine that these days it's like, uh, hi, Dad. Yes, I'm just here on Google.com. Can you just yeah. uh, read the question out to me again? Nice and slow for me, please, Dad. <laughs> nice and slow. But you do it straight into a voice recognition thing. <laughs> yeah. Hello. The answer to the question is. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Dad <laughs> says, sorry, can you repeat? Man, I've, I've been trying to get uh, the um, – my voice thing to play a, a, a cold chisel song and it just can't do it. Wow. Like play Bell of Versailles by Cold Chisel. <laughs> Playing Bells Will Ring by Jiminy Crickets. What? No, Bell of Versailles. How are you? Like it exists. And then I say play the album it's on and then I go skip track, skip track, skip track. At that point, just get, just do it yourself. Oh my God, I never thought of that. 
make your life so much easier. No, it's on one of those things that doesn't have... One of the things that's always listening and always yeah, right. planning to kill me. It's probably listening right now. That's me. <laughs> always listening, always plotting. Always plotting? Yeah, got her back. That feels good. Got her plotting, being slow. You are closer and closer to death. <laughs> well, I think... Am I wrong in saying this? That this brings us to everyone's favourite section of the show? Yes. Okay, thank God. Didn't want to speak out of turn. Uh, this is where we thank some of our fantastic Patreon supporters. If you want to get involved, go to patreon.com slash do go on pod. Do go on pod. And uh, you can sign up on all these different levels. What are some of the levels, Bob? Um, the levels are <laughs> like the rewards, right? Yeah. So, you know, well, I, I could give you a level. You tell them what the reward is. Great. Arse prod level. Arse prod, you, get, you can get a shout out. Uh, Dreamboat Cooper level. You can get three bonus episodes a month. Plus and the back catalog. And back catalog. Uh, like, let me have a like, let me have a go. Look, it's called giving you a hint. Do you know what one? Am I not your phone a friend? No. Uh, what about? Um... <laughs> Why am I doing it now? Yeah, I'm going for a snack, dear listener. Having a little lolly. Um, sorry, candy. What about? Um, the Sydney Schoenberg level. Sydney Schoenberg level, well, baby, that's at that point you can vote on on multiple multiple episodes. Yeah, you can vote on the topics. Heaps of them. But you can also be in the Facebook group. You get uh, access to early tickets, all sorts of great stuff over Man. on Patreon.com. Yeah, a lot of those are just on any level. Yes. So what a great place to be. It's an unreal system. So good. Patreon.com slash pod. And the first thing we like to do for those who are signed up on the Sydney Schoenberg level, we do a section that's called Fact, Quote, or Question. It has a little jingle go something like this. Fact, Quote, or Question. Ding. He always remembers the ding. She always remembers the sing. And the way this one works is people on the Sydney Schoenberg level get to give me, or above, get to give me a fact, a quote, or a question, or a brag, or a suggestion, or really whatever they like. And then I read them out for the first time on the show. They also get to give themselves... A title. The first one this week comes from Brett Wall, a.k.a. Lord Emperor of Average Sized Toes, except for one, but I'll never tell which. That feels like a real Dave Warnicky type. I hope he's got a really big little toe. You'll never know. Or a really small The results toe. may surprise you. <laughs> Brett Wall. I'm a, I'm a, a finger toe man. I have uh, toes like fingers, and uh, that's why you'll never see me barefoot. They're all phalanges, baby. They're all phalanges. I love the langes. I do it for them. <laughs> um, I don't know what you sound, but uh, Brett Wall <laughs> is offering us a break. Your think- fingers and toes are phalanges. Ah. Oh. The same thing. Really? Yeah. So it's like mini limbs are phalanges. That's just like from a skeletal system point of view. Right. So you've got, if your arm's a limb. Uh-huh. Your fingers are like the limbs of your... If your arm's the torso, your fingers are like the limbs of your arm. That's right. Yeah, I get you. Um, (laughs) He nailed it once again. So, we've got a brag from Brett. And Brett's brag goes like this. You remember me? (laughs) (laughs) You remember me? Uh, Remember me? I was the biggest thing on the footy field. (laughs) No, he says, you may remember me as the boy with a condom-eating dog from nearly four years ago. I do remember you. Your mum got me to do, or you got me to do a a cameo video about it. I think your mum got me to do it and mention that and also asked, 
me to ask you to move out. Wow. <laughs> if I'm remembering that right. Anyway. What a way to do it. Uh, we've changed his diet and he's doing very well without all the latex. <laughs> that, I think that makes sense to me. Yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not a dog expert, but that seems to make sense. Seems like it's probably not good for them. The reason I had become a Patreon then was because my dog had thrown the luby treat up in front of my mum on the floor and I wanted to embarrass her by having the hosts of our favourite podcast make fun of the incident that most certainly was not ribbed for her pleasure. Last one, I promise. Oh, my God. This show has been... <laughs> A way for the two of us to bond since nearly the beginning, and I wanted to start by thanking the three of you for that. Sincerely, thank you. Hey, Brett, no worries. Hey, you're welcome. Hey, thanks, Brett. And, and hello to Brett's mum. Hey, Brett's mum. Hey, Brett's mum. Uh, my current favourite joke is calling her on the phone, sounding all panicked, saying, Mum, mum, I don't know what to do. I keep getting this letter in the mail from the IRS. I'm really scared. What? What do you mean? What's it say? Then he says, it's asking what I'm doing for block. This joke has been a lot of fun for me. <laughs> I also had a fun one with somebody following me around town, but I'm getting away from the point. <laughs> My mum, Lisa, and I have shared this podcast. Hi, Lisa. And uh, together for years, I've used it to embarrass her, and now I want, it, want to use it to congratulate her. She was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer nearly a year ago. And after surgery, a month of chemo, and countless scans and tests, we can now say she is 100% cancer-free. Yes! Oh, fuck yeah, Lisa. All right, Lisa. Uh, my mum is truly my best friend, and I'm so grateful that we're going to be able to continue listening to Do Go On together. Thanks again for everything. Oh, my God. That, that is... was a roller coaster, but freaking hell, that is- That is so lovely. Made me stop giving happy. Lisa a heart attack. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I've got a letter from the IRS. I'm being followed. <laughs> Anyway, how's the chemo going? Come oh on, Brett. Come on, Brett. Come on, Brett. Grow the fuck up, Brett. <laughs> I know. I mean- I'm sick of it. I've had enough. You've stopped feeding your dog dingers, but I think there's more growth to be had <laughs> yeah. from you, Brett. Yeah. But I love your work. And I, lo I love, a, I love a, a close family story like Beautiful. that. Beautiful. I love bringing the generations together. Stoked to hear Lisa's doing well. So good. Best thank news. Thank you so much, Brett. Next one comes from Paul Meller. Okay, the wonderfully excited and very lucky Mr. Meller. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. That's so good. <laughs> so nice. I love that. That sounds like a, yeah, like a, a book that you might do on book cheap. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Mm. And Paul's written, I'm not usually one to brag, but my 50th birthday trip to Australia has been booked, so I'm bragging to everyone. Yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> I'll be bringing my family over for three weeks over March and April next year. Uh, so I'm looking forward to come uh, for, to some time in Melbourne and then driving around the state of Victoria. I'll be keeping an eye on this Saint, uh, on St Kilda's fixtures and the comedy festival too. So hopefully I have timed it so we can catch both. Uh, yeah, those Saints will definitely be playing by them and the comedy festival will be on. Yeah, I think you've nailed it. Um, looking forward to getting to see some countryside too. Open to any suggestions of things to do over the Easter period, if you have any. Well, that's a hectic long weekend here at all the sort of the classic. I know in Bright where I like to go, that is the busiest weekend. I think you can go up there. So, if you like being in a beautiful place with too many people. Yeah. <laughs> and um, average weather. Yeah. Uh, open to any suggestions. Keep up the great work, guys. Loving the pod and all the content you create. Cheers, Paul. 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 Thanks, Paul. You're the Love loveliest, you, Paul. Paul. 
That's so exciting. So nice to have a big trip to look forward are to. Are we going to, what are we thinking about Comedy Fest? I'm going to be doing a split show, I think, with Saran Jayamana. Great. And we're not, we're still talking about whether or not we're going to do something at the festival, I think. Well, yeah. At the time but of I'm recording. I'm sure we'll do something. We'll be, yeah, we'll, we'll, be, do something. we'll be there doing something. Yeah. yeah. We'll do something. Just try and stop us, Paul. Although, if we don't, we could go to the footy with you. <laughs> yeah. Definitely keen on that too, Paul. Love you, Paul. <laughs> Love you, Paul. <laughs> um, the next one here comes from Nick Fidian, which is one of the great names. Oh, my God. Following on from the very lucky Mr. Meller, Nick Fidian's called himself the luckiest man in the world. Oh, wow. It's a luck off. Wow. It's a luck off? It's a luck off. This is the a third brag. Off. <laughs> this is the third brag in a row. Okay. Can you believe it? <laughs> oh no, I've lost it. We have to get out of this hot room. Uh, okay. Nick's brag writes My brag is that, brackets assuming this has been timed correctly, close brackets, I've just got married. Woo! If this has been read out after the 28th of October, then I'm married to the wonderful Lucy. Oh. When is it? When will? When's this episode coming out? I think it's before it. I think it's just before. Congratulations on the upcoming nuptials. This one is going to come out on V. <laughs> I hope it's on the wedding day. Oh yeah, it comes out on the eighteenth. Eighteenth, fantastic! So consider this podcast your box party. Here we go. Woo! My pants are off. Is that? <laughs> am I doing that right? That's unrelated. Okay. That was. It's just, really hot it's in here. It's quite warm. <laughs> Uh, goes on to say, she's my best friend and I'm looking forward to spending the rest of our lives together. I won't gush too much here as I will be or will have a be saving that for the speech. But I truly feel so lucky to know her and be able to car- I call her my wife. My wife. <laughs> Thank you for indulging me being very soppy, but I had to use this opportunity to brag about this. Nick, of course. Not but- at all soppy. You could have you could have increased the sop. Yeah. I'm feeling dry here. And and I would like your next fact quarter question to be uh, an update on how the wedding went. Yeah. Tell us the highlights. Have a so- be soppy. Yeah. Love is beautiful. I'd love some gossip maybe about yeah. Arnie Faye or something. What did Arnie Faye get what up to? What did she get up to? A Can she be trusted? Too, a few too many shandies. Yeah. Love Shoes to hear off. that about Faye. Oh. Uh, hopefully Uncle Bill behaved himself. You know he didn't. <laughs> you, you know, know he, didn't. he didn't. He's a rat bag of the He's highest order. absolute rat bag. Uh, final one this week comes from Madeline Murray Baker. And Madeline Murray Baker is president of purpose- Porpoises with Purposes. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of fun. One of you wasn't here for that. I was on the. I was here for that. Jess was away. Okay. You were. <laughs> no, didn't you tell Wait, him? Wait, were we all? We all did, with I thought you told him that he didn't say porpoise properly. I what, think. Weren't you saying porpoise? Yeah. <laughs> you listened, idiot. but you weren't here. You oh. were swimming with the piggies. <laughs> there you go. That's it. I would have listened. Yeah, like the mafia swim with the fishes. You, you were swimming, swimming with, with the, the piggies. The piggies. Sounded cutesier than I meant it to. <laughs> yeah. It was meant to sound menacing. No, but it was really cute. It was too You're cute. You're swimming with piggies. Off the Bahamas? Wow. Yeah. I can't wait. You're going to do a report about that one day. Why are there pigs in the Bahamas? Anyway, the president of Porpoises with Purposes, Madeline Murray Baker, has a question. And the question is, what was your first email address? Oh. Mine was dianemutter11 at yahoo.com. It's German for your mother. 
I'm probably I probably said it wrong then. And I thought it was very edgy. Mm. <laughs> but also it was already taken, so I had to add my lucky number at the end because what's more lucky than being your mother? Wow. Love heart emoji. That's true. My mum is lucky. To have you. To have me. I can't I'm not sure if I remember this exactly, but I think it was I think my first email address was probably also Yahoo. And I think it was Matt Pride. And I, I, it's because I didn't understand emails, but I was at a an underage uh, local punk gig. Yeah. And there was a, a sign-up sheet and it was like your name and your email address. And I said, I don't have one of them. God, you're old. <laughs> and the, the woman. God, you're old. The woman uh, on the thing was also like, I was like 15 and she's like, really? Okay. Um, let's make you up one and then you can sign it up when you get home. <laughs> Such a. She should have just gone. Whatever. Yeah. I know. But anyway, she uh, she talked me through it. I said, "How much do they cost?" And she said, "They're f- they're free." So was she like a live random name generator? Yes. She's like, "All right, I'm thinking um Matt mm, Pride." Yeah. At, at Yahoo. Dot com. Done. Done. Sorted. You're Next. welcome. Can't wait to email you. Yeah, it's a pretty good story there. Wow. But yeah, it's funny that they even had um email addresses. All those centuries ago. Mm. What was yours, Dave? Well, I know this because I had a whole bit about it in mm. my uh, stand-up show at the Comedy Festival this year. My first ever email, no, what a lie, was wiener at the beach at hotmail.com. That's good stuff. Are people going to be able to see this show? You Did you record the audio up in Brisbane? Yes, I haven't got a copy of it yet, though, so I wonder if, if I'll ever be able to release it. But, mate, you might be able to put it out on online. Yeah, I hope so. Recorded. I don't think I'll do it again. So that was the last time in Brisbane, but um, that'd be cool. I love the idea of a comedy album. Mm. Everyone's filming them these days. Nah. Yeah, and I put mine on vinyl. Yes, <laughs> that's sick. I would buy that. <laughs> that is cool. At a discount, at cost price. Yeah, cost. <laughs> yeah mates, rates if cost. you don't mind. Yeah, so winner at the beach at hotmail.com, which I made in two thousand and one in grade five. I do not know what it means or why I picked that. Like, that's not a phrase that doesn't relate to anything. I can think of no pop culture thing. Yeah. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> my email, email was wiener at the beach at hotmail.com. Mm. Yeah. Wiener. Wiener. Do you mean it like- Wiener dog. Wiener dog. Or sausage. Or sausage or- Penis. Oh, like when you call someone a little wiener. Hey, piss off, wiener. So, it's, that's penis. Yeah. Is that, is, that, is that- I think so. Like, if you're a little geek, you're a little wiener. wiener. Yeah. You know what I mean? Little, yeah, I reckon. I reckon. It's not sausage, is it? Mm. Well, sausage is closer to penis than like a, a wimp. Yeah. Wimp. All right. Anyway, Just Jess- while you're answering, I'm going to look up why does wiener mean wimp? <laughs> <laughs> and Jess, your email? Um, one of my um, earliest ones was Jess the Great, <laughs> like good. Alexander the Great. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Because I'm pretty great. At, was this a Hotmail? Uh, it was underscore 16 at probably Hotmail, I think. I reckon. Yeah, that was that were the big ones. Hotmail and Yahoo. Yeah. yeah and then, then AOL. Then, and then Gmail came And then in. parents got involved and got a big pond. In yes. Yeah, yes. At Telstra.com. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Netspace. At oh, yeah, Netspace. Netspace. My parents were with Netspace. Uh. Calling a person a wiener, i.e. a wimp or dork, can be considered mildly offensive. Okay, that doesn't really explain the origin, though, does it? Dictionary.com. Um, so, disappointing. More like wiener-tionary. <laughs> God, I absolutely em. destroyed them. Thank you so much for that question, Madeline. And to the, the braggers, Nick, Paul and Brett. I mean, doesn't that sum things up? Madeline asks a question, wants to know about us. 
the three fellas. Brag, brag, brag. You know what I mean? Me, me, me. As I a got married. As to- a feminist, I need to stand up and point out what I see. Okay? And I'm sorry. That's right. I'm a cuck. I'm a cuck. <laughs> so what, I got a new one recently. What was it? Oh, someone called me online. Oh, I forget, but I got a new, yeah, version of that recently. Damn it. And uh, they really let me have it. It was some newer version of cuck or... or- oh. Or whatever. It's exciting. Soy boy. You Good know? for you. Yeah. I'm glad that they're... I'm still connecting. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing we like to do is shout out to a few of our other great Patreon supporters. Bob, you normally come up with a bit of a game based on the topic at hand. Any thoughts this week? Whose grave are they robbing? No, or- probably no. not. Probably okay. not. Yep. Um, getaway vehicle. We've done that before, haven't we? I don't. I don't I like it, though. Have we ever had a getaway horse before? This is fun. Yeah, a getaway vehicle. Getaway vehicle. I like this. All getaway right. mode of transport. Okay, fantastic. Uh, first up, if I can kick us off, I'm going to say thank you so much to this person from Ashfield, New South Wales, Australia, Nick Batley. Komodo dragon. Oh, yeah. Oh, getaway dragon. Got getaway away dragon. Getaway, Komodo getaway dragon. Komodo dragon. Getaway dragon. No, not like that. No, no, come back. I want to get away on you. Sorry, I was referring to you. Jeez, this is going to cause issues. This Komodo dragon's a fucking idiot. <laughs> Ugh, why don't uh, I choose fu- this idiot uh, dragon? This dragon is on. Uh. <laughs> I saw Komodo dragon on my recent holiday. Not in the wild. Where do you like- get your ideas from? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> Where did you see one? At a at, at a um at Hartley's um. It's like a, a wildlife park type thing. Cool. Hartley's Crocodile and Adventures. It's fucking sick. What were the adventures you did? Um, you go on a little boat and it goes around this little man-made lake and you and they feed the crocs and you get to see the crocs up close and it's really cool. That's cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Was a Komodo dragon moving around? It was just sort of lying there in the sun looking cool. Nice. nice. That was so cool. Anyway. Check out Hartley's in far north Queensland. <laughs> Is it maybe like because they're like floppy? Is that why a wiener might be a wimp? I think you got to move on. <sighs> but I choose not to. <laughs> this is now my life's work. <laughs> uh, thank you so much to Nick. I'd also love to thank from, ooh, address unknown. Can only ooh. assume from deep within the fortress of the moles. I'd love to thank. Joanna Toner. Joanna Toner. Oh, my God, that's a great name and getting fun to say. Give it a go, Jess. Joanna Toner. Joanna Toner. Joanna Toner getting away on- Joanna. A- Joanna Toner. 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 Getaway vehicle is a bag of Hot Wheels cars glued together. Whoa! Hopefully all wheels down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise- <laughs> Quite painful yeah. and not that helpful. But if they're all wheels down, that is sick. What if she's getting away down a snowy mountain? Then you want them probably upside down. Yeah, that's when you flip it. Flip it. It's flippable. Joanna Toner. Joanna Toner. Hello, I'm Joanna Toner. Joanna Toner. Um, hello, I'm Joanna Toner. We don't know where Joanna Toner's from, so we can't get the accent So we've done right. all three accents. We've done the three big ones. <laughs> to me, a garage is just a place you park your car. Joanna Toner. This is my attempt wow. at South African. All right, is that how you have to get into it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, fair. Someone said somewhere recently in a comment, I must have done South African accent. They said, we need more of that South African accent. So that was for you, whoever okay, that great. was. Yeah. Oh, when I was in New York a couple of months ago. Okay, la a- Oh, no, I'm a traveller, whatever. <laughs> We're in line at a bookshop and we get to the front and the lady goes, oh, my- where are you from? And we said Australia. She goes, oh, my God, 
I love Australians. I do a great Australian accent. Listen, listen, listen. Oh, my God. They never do. And then she goes... and this is Some of them do. These were her words to get into character. Like, Matt just had his phrase there. Yeah, what's hers? She goes, razor blades. That's good. Pizzeria. (laughs) 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 And then she goes, get on, boy. It wasn't too bad, but razor blades. Razor blades. Pizzeria. (laughs) That was was her get in phrase. Because there there is a... I think there's a trick where you read it out. It's... You read out different words and it sounds like an Australian saying razor blades. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. Rise up lights. Rise up lights. Oh, right. Rise up but, lights. But you know how we always say pizzeria. Pizzeria. <laughs> we do say Oi, pizzeria. Oi, over here at the pizzeria. Hey, oh, you guys want to grab some grub? I'll meet you down at the pizzeria. <laughs> pizzeria. <laughs> the all you can eat, pizza hut pizzeria. <laughs> I love Italian cuisine <laughs> oh. down at the pizzeria. <laughs> yeah, could I get mine with a lot down at the pizzeria? Get an egg on mine. <laughs> That's Aussie style for some reason. <laughs> Famous for our chicken eggs down here. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Joanna Toner. Joanna Toner. And finally, from <laughs> Gulfview Heights in South Australia, it's Alicia Briggs. Alicia Briggs. Briggsy. Get away on a jet ski. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's being towed by a tugboat. Is there anything more badass than that? I can't think of something. I can't either. I well, can't. then sorry to the next six people because the rest of these are going to be dog shit. Well, not, they're not dog shit. They're just not badass. Not badass. They might be sleek. They, they might be, be slender, but they, they're not badass. They could still be badass. Yeah. Um, could I thank some people? Absolutely. I would love to thank from Alfredton in Victoria, uh, Tessa Eichler. Tessa Eichler. Or Eichler. Eichler. Getting away on. Not razor blades, but roller blades. Roller blades. <laughs> and uh, also in those roller blades is Drazic from Heartbreak High. <laughs> so you're getting a roller blade piggyback <laughs> from Drazic. <laughs> and you know where they're heading? The pizzeria. <laughs> the pizzeria. <laughs> Gonna have a couple of spiders at the pizzeria. <laughs> thank you, Tessa. Uh, I'd also like to thank from address unknown, so we can only assume deep within the fortress of the moles, Josh Peters. Josh Peters. Matt, you're due for one. He's looking at Wiener stuff. I am. Um, <laughs> this is according to etymology online. Uh, it comes from Vienna sausage, Wienerwurst, uh, and it means ineffectual person or effeminate young man originating in 1963, pejorative sense via penis shape, or perhaps from weenie in the sense of small. Oh, yeah, weenie, you little weenie. Little yeah. weenie. It's funny, like, oh, penis shape. Feminine. I don't, quite, I don't know if yeah. I can quite connect the dots there. but And Josh is getting away on a... Wienermobile. Wienermobile. Oh. How does he get his ideas? It's, wow. it's baffling. I don't know how he works. He crashed it into a shop. <laughs> This could have been anybody. (laughs) That guy's just like a hot dog. Oh, no. (laughs) That's good stuff. Uh, I just saw him. uh, He was a special guest at the Detroit Lions game this week, and he was so stoked to be there. What's his name again? Tim. Tim. Robinson. Tim Tim Robinson. And we are talking about his show. I think you should leave. But yeah, so he was he was there, and he's like, "This is." He's just was so stoked to be on the sidelines, and they're like, "How's it feel to be embraced by your team?" He's like, "It's honestly, it's the best." He was so stoked. I love, I love. Wow, I'd be weirded out to see him be genuine. I know it was it was fun. (laughs) Love to see it. 
Thank you to Josh. I would also finally like to thank from Princess Anne in Maryland, Jay um, Palmer. Jay Palmer. You, that's not a place. That's a woman. Princess uh, Anne. You live in Princess you Anne? You can't live in Princess Anne. <laughs> Unless you, are you a fetus. It's a town in Maryland, Princess Anne. No, Jess, now you've fallen down the same trap. It's not a town. It's a person. It's Princess Anne in okay. Maryland. <gasps> what is going on here? This is crazy. Princess Anne in Maryland. So, what's uh, Jay Palmer? Getaway. Slide. Slide. Getaway slide. A series of slides. Yes. That's good stuff. Each, what, shorter than the last or is it You've got to keep going down. What? No, what he does is- uh, who is it? Jay Palmer. Jay Palmer. What they do is they specifically rob places with slides. Like right. McDonald's like playgrounds. Club Surreal in Hobart in the 2000s, which had a slide inside. So <sighs> so they'd rob the bar at the top. Yeah. They'd get a Maduri shaker. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd slide down to the bottom level where the wacky tab- uh, pool tables that were in different shapes were. And then they'd they'd- Get out from there, I guess. That's good stuff. That's all that I can remember from that place. Dave, do you want to thank some people? I'd love to thank this person. is from Brooklyn in New York. It is Isaac Keltenko. Have you been to New York, Dave, recently? I have, actually. Insufferable. Have you been to the borough of Brooklyn? I drove through there. You drove through New York? Yeah. Bloody hell. Wow. Locals don't do that or do do that. One of the two. (laughs) Or or either. (laughs) And Isaac's getting away on- Mr. Sheffield's limo. Yes. Oh, yeah. Stuck in traffic, but yeah. in style. Exactly. Mm. There's a bar back there and also a car phone. Oh, wow. Whoa. Imagine making a call in the car. <laughs> that's that's crazy. They had the coolest aerials as car phones. Yeah. <laughs> little, little pigs. Little twirly antennas. Why are they so twirly? Oh, yeah. Cute. Thanks, Isaac. And now a big shout out to the Fortress of the Moles. We can only imagine that's where this person's from because they haven't given given us their address. They don't trust us, but we trust them. Eddie Wilson. Whoa. Eddie Wilson. Hi, Eddie. Eddie cruise Wilson ship. got away in a cruise ship. Oh, that's good. It was slow but luxurious. Mm. And also all uh, food included. Yeah, all inclusive. Um, and so it's the one entertainment the- Kirstie Wiebeck was performing. One of those <laughs> ones that has like a couple of different nightclubs in it. Yeah. Actually, I just had a really good time. So good for Eddie. But was it the Kiss Cruise, which I only just discovered that <laughs> they, every year did a Kiss Cruise? Yeah. Can you imagine that? Uh, all Kiss, all the time. They, they've become relatively common. There's there's a punk, like a pop punk one, I think. And uh, yeah, people spend huge dollars, go on, a, and then there's concerts through the day. I mean, could we yeah. get the podcast cruise happening? No, we're going to get, it's not a cruise, it's a barge. Yeah, <laughs> the podcast barge. I think we ever did it, We if we ever wanted to make it, we could do a mini one on like one of those little- Yarra River boats. <laughs> they contacted me a couple of comedy festivals ago saying, you want a, you want a free ride to promote your show or something? I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. And then I forgot to get what back to What do you mean? To- if, how does it get promoted? If I don't. I don't know. Free ride. Do you do like stand up while people are like trying to look at the sites? I, I guess they just hope that I'd uh, put it out to my huge uh, mm. uh, following. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They couldn't afford Jess, so they got you. Yeah. they uh, Well, they said the same to Jess, but they said two boats. Yeah, I got two boats and I got to straddle. Just one foot on each. Oh, Stronghold Van Damme style. Yeah, it was fucking sick, actually. Incredible. So, thanks, Eddie Wilson. And finally, from us, we'd like to thank this week, also from the Fortress of the Moles. Do you know this person? Their name is The Muffin Man. Oh. Dude, is the one down Dreary Lane? Mm-hmm. I believe that might be mm. right, but how would the Muffin Man get away? Um, gum foot. drop buttons. Gum drop buttons. Gum drop buttons. The Muffin Man. <laughs> or riding a rat. 
<laughs> a getaway rat. A rat. Yeah. Yeah, I the, think it's getaway rat. The muffin man from Address Unknown does not want to be known. No. And I respect yeah. the hell out of that. Uh, me too. So but, thank you. But we take your muffin dollars and we say thank you. Yeah, mm. we say They're thank delicious. you. <laughs> thank Down you for those muffin dollars. <laughs> Uh, the Muffin Man. Thank you so much to you and Eddie, Isaac, Jay, Josh, Tessa, Alicia, Joanna, and Nick. And the final thing we need to do is welcome a few people into our Trip Ditch Club, which Jess explains so elegantly. Thank you. And so concisely. Yeah. That's why I don't do it anymore. Look at me now. I'm just trying to throw it over to her and she would have done it by now. God, you just don't shut up. So, what it is- And what I want you to do, Jess, is just as quick as you can, because, you know, time is- <laughs> Money, um, can you just please explain to the listeners what the Trip Ditch Club is? It's a club for people who have supported us and for I three years. And I say Trip Ditch, of course, but I know it's actually pronounced Triptych. Uh, Dave gives a bum steer and I've not been I, able to get out of the I actually don't think we need to correct ourselves. I'm happy. It's, I'm a, happy. it's our own thing. No one can it's copyright that because we created it. Anyway, Dave, Jess was trying to talk. Sorry, Jess. I've already done it. I've explained what it is. And awesome. Dave, do you normally book a band for the after party? Uh, you're never going to believe it. What? I book huge acts, but they don't get much bigger. They're this week, dropping by Lincoln Park. Whoa. Whoa. Can you believe whoa, whoa. it? It's funny going through the hat, uh, trying to find everyone who suggested the topic with the search term Lincoln. And there's a lot of people from Lincoln Park and Lincoln, Nebraska and other Lincolns around America that I, you know, like the search, I'm like, whoa, what is this? Like 90 people have suggested it, but so many of them were just addresses. And they're su- suggesting something else. Yeah. What's one of Linkin Park's big songs? Crawling? Uh, in the End. Oh, yeah. Remember that one? Uh, Numb. Um, and I'm about to break. Is that one of them? Well, that's probably with the In the End. Doesn't matter. Doesn't even matter. Doesn't matter. Nothing end. does. Um, so hang on. I've prepared some food. Oh, fantastic! So I'm behind the bar. I've got drinks and food for you. Um, I have prepared a selection of of President Lincoln's favorite foods. Oh wow! What what do you think that? I mean, what do you know he liked? Well, he was fond of certain foods, especially apples. He, he was fond of do. <laughs> So, so I hot have so <laughs> fruits. I'm just going to persevere. Fruits, nuts, cheese, and crackers. Um, <laughs> his favourite dishes were chicken fricassee, which is just like a stew, and biscuits, or with biscuits, and oyster stew. And for dessert, apple pie. He loves oh, apples. I, I like. Apple I really pie. wanted it to be apple stew, but the man loves his stew. What do you think's inside apple pie? <gasps> stew. Apple goo. <laughs> apple goo. <laughs> apple stew. Uh, there's only one inductee this week. Mm. And everyone's dying to hear the uh, immortal band, because one of them's dead, uh, Linkin Park play. That's right. But in our club, it's possible. They're yeah. all back together. That's yeah. right. This is in the land of make-believe. And it's that's why it's one of the happiest places in the world, because anything's possible, as long as it's positive. <laughs> <laughs> and the there's just one inductee this week. So, mm-hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm on the door. I'm going to lift up the velvet rope. If you hear your name, jog on in. It's actually two names, and then Dave's going to hype you up on stage with some of his powerful wordplay. Jess is going to hype Dave up because he needs it. You know, he's he's, not, he's a sensitive soul, and uh, the crowd will go wild, and then we'll uh, we'll finish the show up. So please make welcome from Nuremberg in Deutschland. It's Anna and Lucas Spath. They're just the tip of the Nuremberg. Go on in, join us in the Spath bath, like Woo! spa bath. Anna and Lucas. <laughs> you did it. 
The Spath Bath. The Spath Bath. There's, okay, just for listeners, there's an umlaut in both Nuremberg and Spath. I, did, I, I hope I got close. Anyway, love that you're listening from Deutschland. Big fan. Thank we're you We're going to so do a much. live show there soon. Dave was telling me we're doing it in Berlin. I don't know if we're booked a venue. <laughs> I might be jumping the gun here, but just- I think it's fine check to lo- make promises. Check local guides. <laughs> haven't even check mentioned- local guides. <laughs> I haven't mentioned it to Jess, but who cares? Check your local guides. <laughs> just keep your eyes peeled and do yourselves a favour. Jess, anything we've got to tell people before we go? That we love them. Woo! That if you would like to suggest a topic, you can do so at dogoonpod.com. Or there's a link in the show notes. Um, and you can find us on all social media on Do Go On Pod. Um, and wash your butt. Mm. Dave, boot at home. Always wash your butt. Wise words there. Hey, Blockbuster Tober rolls on and rocks on. We are getting to the tip of the Nuremberg. <laughs> oh, my God. If, 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 you, if, you, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> We're so high. We're even losing Dave now. We're going to get oh, some God. air conditioning. But thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, thank you so much and goodbye. Later. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.